Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Monday, coming to you live here from Charleston, South Carolina, in the Southern Sports Central Studios. I'm Rich Young, alongside Eugene Benton, coming to you with an impact show all the way from right now till we go, well, uh, red around 9 o'clock tonight. We've got a great guest list put together. We've got some uh, college basketball. How about this? And then there were eight remaining, standing, hanging out, and playing college basketball because uh, this weekend did not leave us uh, with the uh, madness not checked in that box over the weekend. Alabama had a chance. Boy, did they ever have a chance that they got to learn to do the one thing that I've seen more and more become an issue in basketball overall, and that is free throws. They're free. I don't understand how you miss them, but I saw some of the worst free throw shooting in the Alabama loss, of course, to uh, UCLA. And how about this? The Pac-12s, these dudes are legit. I know we talk about the ACC, and usually they're, they're really good, right? Usually they're sitting in there, and they're doing their thing, and they're hanging out in March Madness. Not the case this year, all right? This year and this year alone. It's been a long time. I think, what, 2014 is the last time the ACC wasn't in the big dance, if you know what I mean. Now, that being said, you look at Southern California last night. They took out Oregon. It was a win-win for the Pac-12, who now, by the way, 12-1 and in March Madness. That's a pretty impressive number because I know the Big Ten always likes to flex this time of year, and I'm looking around, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I don't see anybody representing. No, I lie. It's Michigan. Michigan is the lone Big Ten representative there. They will be playing UCLA, Southern California, USC, over there on the West Coast, will be taking on Gonzaga. That's a familiar name here in the big dance. And how about Baylor? Yeah, they do basketball. They do it well. 
representing the Big 12. Arkansas, the Razorbacks. Sui is hanging out for the SEC. That's who will be playing Baylor. Oregon State, that's three teams, three teams in the Pac-12 representing in this big thing. They'll be taking on Houston, who's coming in here, kind of that quiet maybe. I, I don't know if they would be the Cinderella. And it's hard to say because if you look at the numbers, Eugene, if you look at the numbers, it's UCLA is the 11th seed. Now, let's be honest. UCLA is to basketball, but Alabama is to football, right? I mean, title town and basketball definitely goes through UCLA. And so for them to be 11th seed, I don't really consider them a, a Cinderella team, but they are the, the uh, well, actually Oregon State, the Beavers are the lowest seed at number 12. So, you know, you look at this, you, you, you square, you kind of wonder how Alabama threw that game away last night when they hit that one at the buzzer, by the way, to take it to overtime. I thought it was impressive. But overall, hey, look, eight teams remaining. Uh, we'll talk about the girls a little bit here in a minute as well. But any surprises for you in this uh, dance from the weekend? Well, obviously, again, you know, we talked about it last week with the uh, Pac-12, uh, you know, because, you know, when it came to football, you know, they, some teams barely got three games in. So you weren't quite sure what to expect out of the Pac-12 with, you know, where they're going to have a full schedule, where they're going to be playing games um, and, and, and things like that. But to put in, you know, these teams and to have an 11 seed uh, and a 12 seed that, you know, can got to go to show – how deep their conference is. And then, like you said, you look at the record in the tournament. It's outstanding, you know, with the only loss coming in a Pac-12 battle. So, uh, you know, that that's super impressive. Uh, Houston being a 2C, you know, while it's a school that, um, you know, hasn't been there since the days of Phi Gemma, Slamma, uh, you know, kind of thing. But uh, they're still a 2C. They're still well-respected. They've had a great team this year. Um, but, again, you know, you look at the Pac-12 and you really just can't say enough about how well they played. They have a six. Let's see. We have a six seed in there as well as an 11 seed and a 12 seed, you know, going into that Elite Eight. So almost 50% of the Elite Eight is, is Pac-12 team. Um, you know, we're looking at also, you know, again, Arkansas coming out of the SEC. No Kentucky this year. No Kentucky even in the tournament. So that was pretty impressive for Arkansas to to do that, um, you know. And again, you know, there's no ACC team. That's got to that's got to be weird for that conference, man. The bowl game from football wasn't too well either. They didn't win any games, and so uh, you know, right. come to, I guess they hung their hat on Florida State and Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is a name that's well known to this tournament uh, with their head coach. But uh, you know, when you hang your hat on Florida State, it's just a very unusual year. I know we've keep using that word a lot, but when it comes down to actual playing the game, uh, you know, and, and Florida State kind of being that, that flagship at the four seed, you know, it's just it's not very impressive. Again, Michigan, they're a one seed. They played great all year. Uh, they, they hung in there. Uh, but, you know, I think the biggest shock has to be almost 50% of the teams in the Elite Eight. You know, and it could have been more than that. They didn't have to play each other to get that last spot. Um, but, you know, we'll have some big uh, – there's actually, you know, the two big games tonight. So we'll actually have – Two teams in the Final Four tonight. That would be the winner of um, the Gonzaga-Southern Cal game. That one's at 7.15. And then Baylor and Arkansas tipping off at 9.57 p.m. tonight. So uh, by the time we go to bed, we'll have two teams in the Final Four uh, set for next uh, – set for uh, – I'm trying to think of when that game is coming up. It looks like the Final Four will be Saturday, April 3rd, with the championship game, obviously on Big Monday, uh, April 5th at 9 p.m. Right, and then let's go to the ladies. How about Baylor? Not only do they do it big in the boys, these individuals play it 
for the ladies as well. They are a number two seed, right? They are a number two seed playing UConn. Oh, boy, that one's going to be a good one tonight at 7 o'clock on the four-letter network. You can check out UConn and Baylor. That one will be an instant classic. Also, tonight for the ladies, you'll be able to watch uh, Indiana, the Hoosiers, the Lady Hoosiers, taking on Arizona. That one's going to tip off at 9 o'clock. Again, that's four teams playing and getting it done then. Then we turn the page to Tuesday. Why do we like Tuesday? Because the Gamecocks, the Lady G's, will be taking on Texas, the number six Lady Longhorns taking on the number one seed Lady Gamecocks. It will be the first game on Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Four Letter Network will be doing it there. And then the nightcap, if you will, will be Louisville, an ACC team. Check out that. Number two seed, the Lady Cardinals taking on the uh, Stanford uh, ladies. That is a number one seed. And, again, that one is uh, the 9 o'clock nightcap. Now, I saw some numbers here, and I believe the Lady Gamecocks are probably the fourth favorite to uh, to win a national championship, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I'm not really surprised in this one, Eugene, when I saw uh, that they uh, – and, again, if I my numbers, I believe, have – uh, you've got, was it on uh, Monday night, they were going to go in here and they'll play UConn, I think, is highly favored to win it overall, which that's not a surprise. Uh, those ladies usually get after it. Stanford, uh, the number two teams uh, right now picked to win. And then, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even Baylor's ahead of the Lady Gamecocks. Uh, but, again, this is the, the, the madness that we look upon. We are excited if you're, uh, of course, a Tiger fan. You want to see the Lady Gamecocks win this. It represents the state of South Carolina. I have a lot of fun during uh, my nine to five, uh, picking on a couple of guys at the job and, and one of them, a big ACC guy. And he doesn't realize it yet, but a lot of what I do is kind of uh, the fun part of uh, knowing whether or not he's listening when he comes into work and he says a little something to me. I say, look, man, Hey, it's all fun and games. Of course, uh, uh, the Gamecocks, by the way, had a heck of a weekend. South Carolina lit it up every weekend. They beat not only, you know, the game for the Lady Gamecocks yesterday, Eugene, right? How about the boys in the baseball field swept the number five Florida Gators after struggling against uh, Texas, who they laid game guys playing basketball uh, tomorrow night. They sweat, they, they, they struggled there, but they bounced back. They win a big one against the number five Gators. I think the, uh, the men's tennis, I wasn't the men's golf team, I think, did something big yesterday. So there's uh, some excitement in Columbia for a change. It's been a minute since we've had so much happening there. And I know the, uh, the ACC's got some, Incredible news as well. I think the, the Tigers had a, a great week, and I think they swept Boston College. If not, they won the series. So you see a lot of that uh, happening as well. And the other part of, of course, this time of year, there's so much going on because spring game is in the air, and it's almost going to be played everywhere uh, for teams that aren't playing the regular season right now. I know South Carolina's got some questions. What are they going to do with that big six foot seven guy? You've got the Tigers. Who are they going to be, you know, rolling out? They've got a – stable full of athletes at multiple places this year. So I'm going to be excited to see what happens with them. Jamie Chadwell, can the Shana Clears, can the Shana Clears prove that this wasn't a COVID season and bounce and realize that what they did last year is what they're going to have to do this year. We'll wait. We'll see. I know they got, of course, uh, a, a ton of guys that, that came in with the transport portal. One of those guys was a former Fort Dorchester Patriot. Uh, of course, Emmanuel Johnson, the big defensive end there. We'll see what he can do. He was, of course, at Georgia Tech with the Rumble and Rex. So, for him uh, to be able to go in there to Coastal and hopefully do some big things, of course, he'll be close to us. We'll be able to catch up with him. But a good weekend, nevertheless. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Again, 
Uh, NASCAR, I believe, yesterday they raced on the dirt at Bristol. I missed it. I hated it. I missed it, but it was one of those races that, you know, there's only a few that I really make sure that I kind of tune in and Daytona and Talladega because, man, they're going 200 and whatever miles an hour, and they're usually crashing at about 50 car deep. Uh, Daytona is uh, that signature Super Bowl race. Uh, then you look, of course, Darlington. It's a local race here in the state of South Carolina. Usually it's a Labor Day race, but they've moved it around a bit. And then Bristol. Bristol is that short track racing that, you know, it's got its own theme. But, of course, what do they do? They put some dirt on it. And, of course, that makes it just its own conversation. But it's fun to see so much sports, so many things happening around the country and here locally in the state, I know the girls are getting after it in softball on the high school field. The boys are getting after it on the baseball field. I think a lot of it's kind of slowing down because tournaments are going to start happening for spring uh, break now coming up. I know the hit tournament's a big one here in Charleston. I know there's other tournaments around uh, the state and around the country, but the hit tournament, of course, that is the Hanahan Invitational Tournament that usually brings in a lot of talent, not only here locally, but they end up getting – a lot of teams uh, from the north. I know I played in the Hawaiian Tropic Tournament at Myrtle Beach, which I'm sure they still have that going, or Sakaski and Conway and Myrtle Beach and some of those schools will bring in some of the guys from the north because, again, you know, we, we take it for granted. Days like today, 80 degrees, 75 degrees and windy, but it never really was humid, really nice. That's not the conversation that these guys are having up north. So they take it usually in a non-COVID season. I'm not sure if they're allowed to come down here or not, but – you know, usually that gives us a chance to watch a lot of great athletes from around the country. So uh, soccer's underway, a lot of success stories there. I've seen a lot of success stories in track and field around the high school league. But it's just, Eugene, this is uh, what we've been waiting for, and that is to get us back up and running full steam. And it seems like we're hitting it all cylinders at all sports at this time of year. Yeah, it does, and there's some great baseball. You mentioned that as as well. You know, there's some teams. You know, when you look at a team, let's take let's start with Somerville baseball. You know, everybody you know, looked at that roster and said these guys, you know, have to be one of the best you know teams uh, assembled in, in the history of South Carolina. You know, and, and those guys haven't won every game. You know, they got shut out in, in a one nothing game to Kane Bay. You know, they played some other games, and, and you know, it's just a game that can can turn on a pitch or turn on a hit, you know, or an error or something like that. Um, you know, and, and teams like Wando, this is very, very stacked, very loaded, a lot of D1 talent, a lot of players are signing, going elsewhere. You know, they've had some early early jitters to get through, but now, you know, they're kind of be hit, hitting on all those cylinders. they got this, you know, wonderful pitchers over there. Uh, got a couple, of, I think about three or four guys that can go really deep into a game, and, and some of them are going on to other levels. You know, we've had Reed Garris on here. He's already uh, committed to Clemson. Um, you know, you looked at the bracket or the uh, the region that Hannah, excuse me, that James Island's in. You know, they have a game starting at 6.30 here in a couple of minutes, man. That that uh, region with those guys down in Beaufort, Hilton Head is a tough, tough region. Uh, you look at, uh, like, you know, some of the things that uh, Dave Shelton mentioned. You look at the, the local 3A region here, you know, with uh, Hanahan and Bishop England and Oceanside, man. You know, so far, Oceanside stayed unbeaten. Uh, they're finding a way. They're, they're definitely getting it done with the bats. They've uh, coached Stoots and those guys have put up a lot of runs. Uh, Bishop England always has the arms over there and some great bats. They're known for putting guys, you know, straight into the major league and also, you know, top-level talent. So, uh, you know, the talent is definitely around here. You know, Kane Bay's got some great pitchers this year. Uh, Asher Ridge has done some things. 4D, you know, they've had some – they had a – uh, a pretty good team, you know. Obviously, last year that hurt, man, not having that season. 
A lot of people were thinking, you know, Ford had a great shot at winning state last year. Uh, they lost a ton of talent uh, to graduation. But overall, you know, you have to get te- tip your hat, so to speak, uh, to lower state. You know, we lower state area is taking a beating when it comes to wrestling and football and volleyball and basketball. But it looks like if all things hold, you know, they're gonna, they should make a run, hopefully bring home uh, a couple of state titles to the to lower state, you know, when the baseball comes around. Uh, to getting those tournaments in, so that's pretty excited. Like you, like you mentioned, track. You know, we got a bunch of good track teams, and that's actually a, a sport where the lower state does very, very well. You know, we have a lot of fast athletes in this area in the lower state. Uh, you know, who compete. You know, in many, many, many different uh, sports, as you call it, or, or uh, events. I think they call it in track to be uh, technically sound there. So, um, you know, it's definitely a lot to cover this time of year. I look at. Uh, you mentioned soccer. I saw a graphic that came out yesterday in the top 10, and that's of all regions, 5A, 4A, 3A, 2A, uh, I believe 1A, uh, something like uh, seven out of the top 10 were in the lower state um, uh, rankings, you know, of the top 10 schools. So that's pretty cool for the girls' soccer teams. It also shows there's a ton of talent. I know uh, just speaking uh, from the region here with um, academic magnet ladies, um, Bishop England ladies and Oceanside ladies, that one's going to come down to possibly uh, some type of, uh, I guess what you call a referendum, because, you know, the, the two right now was, um, you know, they're going to, in the boys bracket for soccer is going to be, I guess they're going to have to come up with something, a uh, point scored or something, because right now it looks to be a two-way or three-way tie at the top for those guys. Uh, same thing with the ladies. So it's definitely an interesting uh, time of year because there's so much going on. There's so much to cover. We're just finishing up with some uh, other sports, and we're still trying to catch up with some of those athletes that, uh, you know, did some great things around the state. You know, maybe they're making their college decisions. It's getting to be about that time for the spring athletes to kind of button up and figure out where they're going. So uh, we'll keep it rolling, and uh, we'll keep covering these athletes. And, uh, you know, we get, like you mentioned, we've got a great show tonight. We're actually – uh, going to be covering some football tonight just because of the way things happen. You know, we're starting out with elite 11 quarterback, Mr. Dequan Drape, uh, DQ Smith out of Spring Valley. Couldn't get him on the other night because, you know, just as we mentioned, track's going on. Young man runs track. Uh, quarterback we had coming on from South Florence, you know, messaged us and said, guys, you know, I really wanted to come on, but I couldn't because I got a soccer game tonight and I have a soccer game Thursday night. I texted him back and I said, brother, that's a problem. And he <laughs> kind of waited for him. I said, you know, you're an athlete, man. You're always busy. He just kind of left and said, man, I'm just trying to stay in shape, trying to keep moving. So, you know, we'll, we'll move with them and uh, we'll be flexible. But after that, the first time we're headed up to Louisville High School, bringing in Coach Mitchell here as the head coach. Uh, so we're, we're, we're uh, you know, ready to roll with him as well. And then, of course, um, going down over to Oceanside, first time new head coach for JV program, Kevin Crosby. Goes by KC Crosby. Uh, former athlete from uh, Bamberg Earhart, went on to play at the University of South Carolina, played some tight end, played some special teams. Now he's coaching linebackers at the varsity level. This will be his second year, and also his first year as a head coach, coaching the JV squad for a coach called Glenn Sharks. Uh, we got Bailey Hart, former quarterback at Wando High School, who signed as a quarterback under Muschamp right after Muschamp got here into South Carolina. Uh, switched over about his mid-junior year, senior year, played some wide receiver for those guys. Uh, and then, you know, now he's coaching over there with Johnny Waters at First Baptist. So uh, that's pretty cool. He's also running the QB1 
uh, you know, quarterback training here out of the Low Country area, and then ending up at 8:30, we're bringing in a former tight end, Jacob August, who also played with the Gamecocks. He's now coaching and training the uh, wide receiver elite group uh, around the state and doing some big things, getting some receivers ready. So big-time pack show, man. You know, it's hard to cover everything and talk about, you know, the, the basketball that's going on and, and trying to keep up with all these baseball and, and other athletes, you know, who are playing ball tonight. Yeah, a lot happening around, of course. Uh, you know, we'll be excited to catch up with a lot of those individuals coming in here tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll get you get rolling here in just a minute. About 6.30 is when we got our first uh, guest joining us here. We'll be talking, of course, uh, into the night with them going forward. And when you kind of look at everything, you know, you, you kind of take it as you get it. And, again, for us to have Bailey Hart, Casey Crosby, Jacob August, all these gentlemen, yes, they play for the Gamecocks, but, yes, they are giving back to this state of South Carolina, giving back by either coaching at the high school level or, or doing things in that Manner. Now, that being said, you know, we look forward to kind of seeing how things roll out here tonight. Also want to kind of get a, uh, a shout-out here because I saw this coming out. And, again, this was from the uh, Somerville Journal where the Fort and Somerville players receiving national recognition. I want to give uh, some baseball players some love here. Now, Fort Dorchester Sr. earning high praise for both performance on a baseball field and his performance in the classroom. The Patriots shortstop Tyler Christmas, who signed with Duke, University baseball program in the fall has been named the National High School Baseball Coaches Association 2021 Academic All-American Team uh, to qualify for this honor. Of course, a player must have a GPA uh, underweight of at least a 3.3 and a minimum combined score of 1250 on the SAT or a minimum uh, contact score of 22 on the SAT, of course, Christmas is also one of the three Fort Dorchester guys over there, excuse me, Dorchester County District 2 seniors who recently received high praise from Rawlings Sporting Goods and Perfect Game Christmas, Somerville pitcher Aiden Hunter and Green Wave catcher Mr. Cole Messina, committed to the Gamecocks as a sophomore, have all been named to the Rawlings Perfect Game Class of 2021 Atlantic Region, of course, Maryland, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Virginia, and by God, West Virginia, all on this list of athletes. We always want to give those guys a little moment here. And, again, you know, you, you mentioned, Eugene, about, you know, the, the, the talent around just the low country of high school baseball, all the way up to the upstate, there to the Midlands, up to the upstate. But a couple of nights ago, uh, about three days ago, actually, it was Somerville taking on, again, 5A Somerville taking on the 3A. Battling bishops, and it was a battle all the way through. Scouts were all over the place looking at this young man, as they call him, uh, Ace. He is Daniel Brooks. This kid is legit. Probably goes into the draft if uh, it works into his plan. There were more guns hanging out behind the, of course, uh, the catcher and the backstop than they had seen in quite some time up at Somerville. But it wasn't just his night. It was the young man from Somerville who made the best out of it, pitcher Owen Wellman who ends up throwing a no-hitter and out that ace guy from, of course, uh, the Battle of Bishop to win that one one to nothing. He was very humble when he was in his interview with one of our own there, Kevin Billard, from Live Sports, and said, look, couldn't do it without the guys behind me. I thought that was a very good response. And, of course, uh, you know, not the easiest thing to do is he's an emotion coming off the field. He got himself composed, got in front of a microphone, and, of course, gave a lot of love to those around him. And, again, cannot wait to uh, catch up with him as I've reached out to some of the coaches. They do not play on Thursday night, so hopefully 
we'll be able to get some of the coaches in here from baseball to kind of get a barometer of how things have been going as we've done that in football, but kind of find out some of the things that are happening. Of course, soccer, uh, Eugene touched on uh, the 3A here in the low country. 5A soccer, very good with Rondo, of course. Uh, Somerville seems to have a really good squad over there. Softball, man, softball is another big sport here in the low country, as you're going to again mention. It seems like to me, it seems like to me, that they are, if they're good, they're really good. You know, Berkeley, very good in softball, very good in baseball, doing some big things in track and field. Somerville, again, trifecta there with all three of those sports. You've got, of course, uh, Wando, again, great talent all the way across the board. I think the one thing for Wando that they've got to have to do over there on the other side of the bridge is uh, continue to work on the fundamental part of things, the areas that are killing that team and that group over there. Uh, it's kind of the self-inflicted wound. They always say if you walk them, or you hit the E on the board, it's usually a run on the uh, over the plate, and that's kind of been one of the big things here. But, again, it seems like everything is going in motion here uh, in the low country. We're getting things back up and running. Eugene, I saw the bridge run. I think they're, they're gearing up for that thing, man. I think that's exciting to see some of the basic things getting back open. I know coming up in April, the River Dogs will open back up the stadium. We're looking forward to being in-house there to do a live show uh, on hopefully maybe a first and Thursday night. That would be kind of a neat deal. But doing it somewhere down third base or first baseline uh, in a distance there, I think that would be cool to have it in the background. Yeah, that's actually well, you know one of the best uh, events to see a baseball game if you're a baseball purist. You know, just it's so entertaining. You know, it's one of the top venues uh, of any level, actually, you know, just because of, you know, it, it's such a great atmosphere. You know, you're right there on the water. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a great way to spend any night of the week, but especially on Friday night they used to have those – uh, fireworks rocking, you got your uh, Thirsty Thursday games and things like that. You know, your Saturday games are always great in those Sunday afternoons. What a way to see the sunset, man, when you're sitting out, out at the Joe uh, enjoying some peanuts and popcorn and uh, watching some great baseball. You know, and now there's a new team uh, that's kind of their, uh, you know, the, the, they're owned by to get some top draft picks, kind of like days of old. You know, when they were owned by the Yankees, it was great management, but, you know, you didn't see a lot of the draft picks. Uh, like you did back in the day when they were owned by the Devil Rays. You know, you kind of got – I remember uh, watching the Upton brothers when they came through, you know, as, uh, as you know, 19-year-olds out there swinging the bat, running the bases. Um, and so that should be exciting. You should get to see a lot of top talent, uh, especially, you know, early in their careers. Maybe you can start tracking those uh, guys as they head up, the, you know, the ranks towards the major league level. Yeah, looking forward to it indeed, guys. Let's take a break. We'll take a short one here. we got to get the bus loaded over there. It's parked at Spring Valley High School with a, an elite 11 young man. He is a quarterback, D.Q. Smith. We'll be doing this here coming out of break, guys. Don't go anywhere. It is Southern Sports Central on a beautiful, enjoyable Monday night here in the final days of March. We'll do it right here next on Southern Sports Central, guys. Don't go anywhere. Don't own nothing to the lender, nothing spinning in the blender. The only thing on my agenda is beers and sunshine, on fire in summertime.
grab a boat and get to floating. A little buzz and a little toasted. We're gonna hang and have a little fun now. Flying high like we'll never come down. We're gonna go until we're on out. A beer's in sunshine. A bonfire's in summertime. Back porch nights of South Carolina. Ain't nothing finer than me. My girl's talking up a little than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday night. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. Welcome back, everybody. I am Richie Elvin, alongside Eugene Benton for a solid show here tonight on Southern Sports Central. Make sure, make sure you're following us on Facebook, that's Southern Sports Central, and on Twitter, SO Sports Central. And if you're hanging out on the gram, you can do that right there, of course, at uh, Southern Sports Central as 
Well, glad to have you with us tonight. We, of course, are waiting for the arrival of an Elite 11 quarterback. By the way, sitting on a couple of offers, the Gamecocks have already gotten this young man an opportunity if he wants it. And how about the best, one of the best gifts you can ever get is an offer from Power 5 school, and he got that, of course, uh, from uh, Michigan. Of course, that was on Christmas Day where he announced it at the top of his uh, Twitter account, uh, Mr. DQ Smith. And again, Eugene, I know you're reaching out to him, trying to get him with us. He's going to be joining us tonight here all the way from Spring Valley High School. Great and very impressive numbers on the field, but off the field, this dude is getting it done as well. 3.5, 3.5 GPA. Uh, he comes in at 6'2", 210 pounds. He's a three-star to some, but he's a five-star to us, and he's part of that Elite 11 who finished in the top, by the way. I think he finished in the top five in Atlanta just a few weekends ago. And, again, there was a ton of talent around the southeast and probably around the country. One of those guys we won't mention that didn't make the top five, but I can promise you he easily could have found his way in the top three. He was just that good. Uh, but we can hopefully uh, here in a minute, Eugene, I know you've reached out to him, and we'll get in here with the quarterback, D.Q. Smith, here in just a minute. Yeah, he may be just finishing up something. I was texting with him earlier, and he said he was definitely available. So, you know, hopefully I, I just re-hit him back up and said, hey, you may we're, we're uh, loaded and ready. So uh, hopefully he'll be calling in here in a second. But, you know, I tell you, you know, when he pinned that thing, you know, he's had uh, – it's a pretty good option when you're a sophomore in high school and you already have two uh, big-time Division One offers. Um, obviously, you know, the Michigan one he has pinned at the top there. He's got a South Carolina offer he just got uh, last month uh, towards the end of February. So we'll see where he's at with these, uh, you know, offers and, and what he's interested in. And, uh, you know, where, where you know, I don't think we'd ask him, you know, where he's leading at this point. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, it's definitely good, you know, no matter what year you are in high school, to go ahead and have some offers in your pocket, you know, to kind of develop your game and kind of know, you know, at least somebody's looking at me. At least I have a shot, you know, to take it to the next level. So uh, we'll definitely uh, try to hold on here. Like I said, I'm trying to reach out to him. I texted him just a little while ago. Maybe he's uh, inside the building, but he told me he was going to be available this afternoon. Yes, hopefully we'll get in here in just a little bit to have that conversation with this uh, big five-star Southern Sports Central style quarterback. He's been a sophomore sensation here in the Palmetto State, but doing it big at many levels, as he did it just a few weeks ago at the Elite 11 in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, and again, it's good to see these young men out and about. There's a lot of camps going on, guys. And, uh, oh, look at there. Let's give him an introduction because I believe the man, the myth, and the legend in the making here in the great state of South Carolina, Mr. D.Q. Smith, is on the bus and ready to talk. Let's bring him in. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Like that, ladies and gentlemen, on the bus, ready to talk some football and some education and a few colleges along the way is Mr. D.Q. Smith. He's a five-star stud, Southern Sports Central style, 6'2", 210 quarter, back from Spring Valley. What's going on, Mr. Smith? How's it going, buddy? I'm doing I'm doing good. How are you, sir? 
man. I'm a phenomenal man. First of all, congratulations on all the success and hard work works, man. I mean, you've gotten a couple of offers. You went over to Atlanta. You represented the state of South Carolina in style. You're part of that big conversation of the Elite 11, man. So, uh, man, what's it been like the last couple of months for you, man? It seems like you haven't quit uh, working out and getting better. Yes, sir. It has been a heck of an experience. Um, all the hard work, I'm starting to see it's starting to pay off. Um, it just, it's just it's something I dreamed of always as a kid, and it's finally starting to come together now. No doubt about it, of course. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're a sophomore, right? So class of 23, is that right? No, sir. I'm a junior right now, class of 2022. 22. All right. So my numbers and notes were wrong. We'll get that fixed and get our stat guy in trouble. Nevertheless, so class of 22, that's a big class. You guys are, are, are representing the state of South Carolina in style, and I know you know a lot of that, that class. It's uh, not only quarterbacks but across the board. You know, what is it about this class that you're so excited to be a part of? Not only there at Spring Valley, what you guys are doing in style, but just across the board. It seems like this is going to be the class that's going to get a lot of things moving in that direction. Oh, yeah, it's a, a lot of ballers in our class. Um, I think I honestly think we have one of the best classes ever. Like, the people in different positions of what they can do in things, it's, it's crazy, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Now, of course, we see what you do on the football field, but thanks to you and this 3.5 grade point average, let's talk a little education with you, big man, because, yes, Michigan has, has given you one of the best birth, uh, Christmas gifts you can imagine, and what a great way to get it on Christmas Day. And I know the Gamecocks have, have put some conversation out there and opportunities if you'd like it as well. You know, how many other schools have you heard from? And, and, and again, you know, where are you kind of excited when you, when you start to kind of put all this into conversation? Uh, I'm talking to a quiet, a lot of a lot of schools right now. Um, I I can't give you a number to be exact, but it's just it's a lot of schools I'm talking to right now. Now, how easy is it for you? Because I see the success that you've had on social media. And by the way, congratulations on knowing how to handle it. I'm not sure if it's if it's mom and dad there, if it's of course the coaches, if it's everybody involved. You know, I watch you really treat social media, your Twitter handle, like a business page. And I think that's that right there speaks volumes of your personality. You know, I, I, you've seen a lot of that action on, on social media come back at you. You know, how cool is it to wake up in the morning, see a school tag you with a uniform or jersey or something like that with uh, the graphics department? Oh, yes, sir. Um, my dad is, has always been there. He helps with a majority of this. Um, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy experience waking up seeing things like that because it's something like I said, I dreamed of it as a kid. Um, and for finally seeing it all happen, like I love it. I love it. Now, of course, uh, you know the guy that we had on our show not long ago. He's your head football coach. Bacon joined us and talked to us about you know what you guys are doing. Spoke highly of you. But when we see what you do on and off the field, and and some of the conversations we've had with people in your community about just how of an outstanding young man you are. That speaks so much volumes of your character. And then I see this huge 3.5 grade point average, knowing how busy you are uh, with the weight room, with, the, of course, the football workouts, the traveling to Atlanta, and anywhere else you can go to grind to get better. Tell us to us about what is your love when it comes to the classroom, man? Have you started to think about a major as you start to kind of get into that next chapter, at least the conversation of where you might end up here this time next year? Um, it's a, um, as a kid, I always like building things. So civil engineering was kind of like 
my thing because I like buildings and bridges and all that. My dad helped me with a lot with like talking about that. Um, as of right now, seeing where I'm at from a year from now, I really can't tell you that. It's just uh, it's God's plan at this point. Um, my parents would be there to help me make the right decision, but as of right now, I can't really tell you who I see myself from a year from now. Now, let me ask you this. Of course, we know you play football. There's a bunch of other sports that, of course, uh, there's played there in the Valley, Spring Valley. Well, what other – is there any other sports that you get after, or are you just kind of one and done with the football? Any other sports that uh, you have a chance to get into? No, sir, I'm running track right now. Running track right now. So, no track meet tonight. Right? Do we catch you coming off the track here tonight? Uh, our, tra- our next track meet is Wednesday, actually. Wednesday. All right, we're going to write that down. We'll put it out there and get you guys some advertising. Of course, we are live right now with an Elite 11. He's a five-star Southern Sports Central style quarterback all the way from Spring Valley, Mr. D.Q. Smith, with a couple of major offers, not to mention a lot of conversations happening uh, there in the Smith House. Of course, Michigan offered him the opportunity on Christmas Day. The Gamecocks are knocking on his door, wanting him to stay in the state. I'd love to see him stay in the state. That's a big deal to me. Of course, he's a two-sport player. What do you like about the, the factor? And, again, I know from a quarterback's point of view of why you would enjoy track as much, but what is your one goal that you're able to tie in maybe to your football goals when it comes to running track in the spring that you want to see take you to that next step in the fall coming in to that senior year? Speed, my seed. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to run track. Um, I feel like I can get a lot faster, and I haven't even reached my potential yet. So I feel like speed is the main thing I'm trying to get from track to see on the field this year. Now, DQ, when you went over to this uh, Elite 11, uh, you and another gentleman who we, by the way, had on the show uh, the other day, he also, of course, finished very high and represented our state very well. And there were some other quarterbacks here in our state and over there doing their thing in this big-time camp. Uh, what, was the, what was the atmosphere? What were some of the things that impressed you the most when you got around so many other athletes, not only here in our state, but you saw a great group of men getting after it there in that Elite 11 from around the country? Um, it's also, I mean, I'm sorry about that. Um, I think being around so many other good QBs, great QBs, it helps me push myself harder. When you're around good people and people that want to get better, it helps you get better as well. And I think that's something I like the most. And that's what I feel gets, it gets everybody better, better. So, um, I feel like just being around a great group of guys, um, a great hardworking um, group, um, it was definitely a good experience. Now, as you look at the season that just ended again, there were so many trials and tribulations way before you guys even got on the field. We knew that if we did what we needed to do, that we would hopefully see a season start and finish. We did that. You might not have gotten what you wanted at the end, but just to know that you were able to put, you know, uh, boots on the ground, if you will, to play the game of high school football there in your junior season. You know, talk to me a little bit about what did you do prior to the season getting underway did you go to any camps in the spring were you able to get out and and get some workouts what did you do to stay in shape so that when you got over there uh with coach bacon and the boys at spring valley you weren't behind the ball if you would um we really was we really weren't able to do camps then and it was a family um decision not to really get into that right now but as far as going to the field with my receivers for that upcoming season it was definitely – we definitely did that a lot. Um, we stayed together, stayed in contact. We worked out every weekend with each other, and we just basically stayed on each other about staying on the same course and trying to get better and stay on the same page as well. 
Now, when you look at this season, uh, what were some of the biggest hurdles that you saw as a quarterback? I know that the weight room wasn't open like normal, so that was a little bit different. So, seems like, Dad, you got a pretty good dude in your corner there with Pops working with you, man, keeping you in, in, in straight, and that's an amazing. I love to hear that as well. But when you look at, you know, some of the biggest hurdles that you had to get through during this past season, what were two or three of the biggest things that you kind of saw that you grew from because you were challenged the most? Um, my ability to like make tough reads, stay in the pocket, make tough throws when defense is coming at you. Um, I feel like those are two things I really worked my hardest at and also my deep ball accuracy and I worked on that a lot this off season and my upcoming junior year when we play I, I really seen the change in that and the hard work started to pay off that season. Nice, nice. I love it. We're live right now with an Elite 11 quarterback. He's a five-star All-American guy here, part of that Southern Sports Central style here on a 630 interview all the way from, of course, uh, Spring Valley High School. There in the Valley is the quarterback. D.Q. Smith joins us here tonight. Now, excitement has to be uh, the conversation when you guys heard that there will be spring practice. You guys will be able to do uh, the things that you didn't get to do last year. What are some of the things that you hope to – what are some of the goals that you've got to get into the spring ball coming up here in the next few, maybe I guess a month or so, that's going to be uh, give you guys a chance to work together a little bit more than you did last year? Um, since we weren't able to do spring practice last year, um, I feel like that was a major setback for us. And us having a spring practice this year, I feel like it's a huge step because not only are we getting better, but our chemistry is getting better. Um, we're learning each other more, and that's that's what a team needs. We need a team that works together, knows each other, and is able to work and execute on the field at all times, um, building a relationship with the guys as well. So I believe, like, chemistry is the number one thing for spring practice. And just getting the system down, um, getting the new plays in, um, get, staying on the same page. So I think, yeah, chemistry is the number one thing I'm looking for to spring practice. Looking for that chemistry as we're live right now with D.Q. Smith. He is TV one over there at Spring Valley. He's also part of that Elite 11 team that did some big things a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta. He represented the Palmetto State in style. Ended up finishing, I believe, a top five, which, again, I know a lot of athletes from North and South Carolina, along with uh, Georgia, Florida, and a few others that were there that really, quite frankly, uh, brought their A game, but not as much as you because you and, of course, a few uh, had one heck of a showing. When you look at that, uh, were there anybody around there when you when you guys were at that Elite 11 there in Atlanta? You know, what was the crowd like around? Were there were there other scouts out there and, and just individuals watching you guys when you went through your uh, drills? Oh, yes, sir. Um, parents were allowed in, but scouts, uh, I'm not sure if there were scouts, but I know it was a couple of scouts there. I'm not sure how many, but it was definitely scouts there. Um, scouts from South Carolina was also there and a couple more. Um, so I know it was – it was um, i say maybe 10 scouts there. Nice, nice. Again, you guys did a, a great thing. Now, how much did you lean on the other gentleman that finished there? He spoke highly of you the other day uh, as uh, he was on the show with us. Uh, you and him in the top five, finishing in, in style there. Uh, how much do you lean on other quarterbacks, maybe even in Columbia area, or just you kind of keep in conversation with on social media? Um, a lot of quarterbacks in South Carolina, we work out together on Saturdays a lot. Saturdays and Sundays, we work out together. Um, we really try to put on fire state. And one of the quarterbacks that actually came in the top five, we played together in middle school. 
But neither I don't think neither one of us was a quarterback then, but we definitely played together in middle school. Yeah, that has to be cool. And that's one of the fun parts about being an athlete. That's a small world, and you guys, you know, we always seem to find a way to cross paths and, and go in that way. Now, again, I want to thank you for your time here tonight. I know you're busy, of course, a two-sport player. As you play football in the fall, you run track in the spring. Uh, you're going to be doing some spring ball here coming up. Uh, any special camps that you're hoping to catch up this year uh, in, in the summer if everything opens up and uh, it's in the best interest of you? And, of course, I know you and your family will talk about that, but – is there any camps that you're looking to attend coming up here in the next month or so? Um, it's definitely a camp coming up. I forgot the name of it, but it's one on April the 11th coming up. Um, as of as of right now, that's the only camp I signed up for. But I really can't tell you in the near future of what camps I'm attending. Well, that's a camp that, uh, Eugene, uh, let's talk a little bit about that camp coming in. I want to bring you in as well because I know you've had some conversation uh, here as well with Mr. Smith, but we'll be joining him here at that same camp. Can you repeat that, sir? I'm sorry. Actually, I think that was for me. Uh, that's going to be up at Nations Fort High School up there in Rock Hill with the uh, National Preps guys. Uh, you know, and, and Jeff has uh, done a great job. You know, he he's told us that he's been eyeing a bunch of you guys since y'all were in middle school. So. You know, I think it's a it's a very select camp, the one you're talking about up at uh, April 11th at Nations Ford High School. Um, and, and I tell you, you know, we're excited because, you know, not everybody got invited. There's some great players around the state that didn't get invited just because, you know, they had to keep it small. But they also, too, you know, with, with the clientele that they have, uh, meaning these national programs looking at it, you know, they, they kept it to what, I you know, they, I guess, did their evaluations and sent out those invites. So if you got one, you know, obviously – you know, they've earmarked you as one of the top talents in the state of South Carolina. You know, it's, it's kind of similar to getting one of those elite, uh, you know, um, end-of-the-year postseason bowl games, you know, kind of thing where, you know, I, and, and that's probably one of the biggest things is you guys want to do these combines, you know, these showcases, and then get ready for the summer. But already, you know, we've seen some of the announcements coming out for, like, uh, the North-South game and things like that. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely see you at that one um, for the national preps. Uh, with Jeff up at that game at Nations Ford. But, um, you know, looking forward to this summer, are you guys, you know, kind of getting some thoughts in mind of anywhere you'd like to go, you know, once these campuses start opening back up? Um, this summer, it should be a lot of options. But um, I really couldn't tell you because I haven't looked into that as of right now. I'm just trying to focus on track. You know, it's a team sport, so I really haven't focused on any camps yet. So now looking forward to, I know you talked about the chemistry for the spring. Now everybody going into this time of the year, you know, you're looking forward to spring practice, you're thinking about summer, you think about the fall, you know, and then everybody, what's on everybody's mind is we've got to get that state championship. Now you're in a pretty tough region there. You know, uh, so, you know first of all, you got to win your region or, you know, you got to finish in those top spots, you know, to get those playoffs to so be able to win the state. Uh, other, you know, so talk to us a little bit about some of the team goals you have this year, you know, leading the Vikings into the fall 2021. Um, some of my team goals, um, we definitely want to re- win our region. Um, that has been a goal for us for a long time. We want to definitely, um, chemistry, number one thing. But, yeah, winning our region, I feel like that's the number one thing right now because if we, win our, if we don't win our region, then it's really – Nothing from there, but running our region would be a huge step and a huge confidence boost for the team. 
Now, something I, I learned today after I was texting with you, uh, one of the guys that kind of liked and retweeted our tweet uh, seems to be your offensive coordinator. And if I read his bio correctly, he's a math teacher. Did I read that right? Yes, sir, he is. <laughs> so I'm guessing uh, being an offensive coordinator and a math teacher, uh, you guys get some hard lessons and some stats and some measurements. Uh, you know, when when he tells you it's a 12-yard throw, something tells me, you know, he's got those hardcore numbers down. Uh, what's it like playing for him, you know, and uh, is, is he up in your math game a little bit on the field? <laughs> uh, um, coach Morgan is definitely a, a great coach. Um, he taught me a lot, taught me a lot of things that I never knew. Um, he's definitely – uh, a leader for our team as well. Um, for math, uh, we talk, but we don't really talk like that with math, dealing with math on the field. We just really focus on football when we're on the field. Well, one thing I will say is this, my friend. You're going to put some pretty big math numbers up coming up here in this year as it will be your senior year. you got a lot to play for. you got a lot of things to be proud of, and I cannot wait. Uh, to watch you guys uh, do some big things there in the Valley. The Vikings, of course, uh, will be led by this man right here. He is QB1 for uh, Spring Valley High School. He is, of course, an elite 11 to us. Here we've marked him as a five-star All-American all the way through and through, and that is Mr. D.Q. Smith. With initials like that, you got to be big and big all the time, buddy. Congratulations on uh, the junior year. Congratulations on what you did there in Atlanta. And, again, keep working, keep pushing, keep striving because – it's only going to get better from this point forward, my friend. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, folks, for allowing you to be a part of us uh, here on the show. And, of course, your coaches for giving us the green light to talk to you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, guys, there you go. The bus is uh, rolling a little bit now, uh, Eugene. As at 7 o'clock, we uh, head over to Coach Mitchell. He's over at Louisville. Uh, talk to us a little bit about this guy. I know you lined this coach up. Uh, to come in here tonight, Stephanie's going to talk to me a little bit about what's happening on his campus. Yeah, and Coach Lewisville, I actually, you know, kind of met him uh, by happenstance. Uh, he was in the school one day talking to the, host, the head coach that uh, I was coaching with at the time, and that was right after he had a five-star defensive lineman that signed with Clemson originally and then transferred to South Carolina. I'm not sure what the young man's up to these days. But, uh, you know, Lewisville put out some dudes, man. They're kind of up that 77 a little bit. And in between Columbia and, and, and that uh, Charlotte area. But, you know, back they, when he was part of that team, you know, you, you look on the, the big board up there, they have some, a couple national, I mean, a couple state championships, you know, on the big board, you know, the home of the Lions is a big wall side of the building there on the press box. And, you know, so it's a team that has put, you know, they have won some state titles. Now, you know, I haven't been able to keep up with them, so I kind of looked at this, and I wanted to see, you know, let's get him in here. Let's talk some Lion football. Let's see what's going on in the spring. You know, obviously we know we missed last spring and, and part of the summer and things like that. So, But, you know, coaches out there, you know, a couple of days ago, he posted out, you know, they got a spring-summer. He's already got the calendar marked all the way through August for uh, getting these guys ready for the fall. So we're definitely going to be interested in hearing about that, hearing about his plans for the spring and summer and, you know, what he's looking forward to because, you know, we after losing that spring and as we all know, we almost lost it again this year, you know, what what he's looking forward to as far as development, you know, how he uses the spring to teach and develop the, maybe the younger guys. Maybe got some guys playing a couple of sports that will be finishing up their other sport and joining the squad. So definitely looking forward to see what he's got coming back for uh, 2021, what some of the goals are, maybe hear about some of those uh, – 
big ballers on the team as well. So, um, again, you know, Coach Mitchell is a very – he's a, he's a very tough guy. He's a man of few words. Uh, when you meet him in person, he's kind of a big, stout guy, man. You know, he just uh, – when he sent me a picture, uh, I looked at the picture he sent, and, uh, you know, he's uh, he has this uh, coaching face. We'll call it that. He has his coaching face on. You definitely tell he's uh, teaching at the moment. So I was kind of excited to, to uh, you know, kind of get in and learn a little bit more about him, kind of his history, see where he came from, how he made it to Louisville High School and things like that. So uh, we're definitely uh, looking forward to it. The bus is rolling. I hit him up, let him know we're about to pull up on campus. No doubt. So the bus is in route, Town 77, I believe he said there. Of course, that is Louisville High School's. Very old Coach Mitchell will join us right after this, guys. A short break, top of the hour. It's all coming up next right here and only here on Southern Sports Central, guys. Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman. Richie Altman. 
and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. What better way to bring in a big-time coach from Louisville? The Lions are on the bus here tonight on Southern Sports Central. We welcome you, Coach Mitchell, to Southern Sports Central. Coach, thanks for hanging out. Hey, thanks for having me. Man, I figured what you you kind of was giving you a breakdown. Yes, sir, we got you loud and clear. So it's good to have you with us. Eugene was kind of giving us a background of you, and I said, man, you got to bring a guy like that with a little stone cold uh, on a Monday night, Coach. Uh, what's the weather like up there in Louisville? Uh, it was pretty hot today. Uh, you know, it got a real pretty day. We're, uh, I'm coaching track, too, and so that was a, a good uh, – we need more weather like this. We've had some rainy weather. It's kind of messing <laughs> us up on that. But Yeah, I hear the weather up in Charlotte area. Which you guys, How far are you guys from the border there in North and South Carolina, Coach? Kind of give us a, a geographic lesson real quick. Sure. Uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, we're really actually easy to get to. We're only about uh, – we're right off of exit 65 on I-77, and the, the border's at 95, so we're about right there. I guess that was at 25. We're right about 25 miles from the border. Uh, the closest high school to us as a crow flies is actually South Point High School. We're just south of Rock Hill, right off the interstate, pretty easy to get to. You know, Louisville traditionally been a real rural school over the years, but anymore with, uh, you know, we have kids that work and their jobs and stuff like that up in Rock Hill pretty extensively. So we're kind of a combination school now. No doubt as we're hanging out right there off of exit 65, I-77 with the head ball coach. He's also a track coach. We're learning some things here tonight on Southern Sports Central. Thanks to Coach Mitchell joining us here, Coach. Uh, first of all, we're excited to have you in here to talk about the Lions. And we'll talk track, too. I'd love to hear about them as well. Uh, but let's talk some football first. And, again, got the season behind you. Kind of give us a breakdown. What was the season like? We know you started after Labor Day, and it was a very awkward, unusual season. But at least we, we had the season. Can you guide us, guide us into the direction of uh, the, the, the the classification and, and who did you play and how the sure. season went? Well, we were kind of in an unusual situation. I had a group. We had a group come through about four years ago uh, that was very, very good. We won 19 games in two years, made them the third round both years, lost close ones, and we're on the 1A classification. We're schooled about 380 students. Um, we got bumped up to 2A, I guess, two years ago. We spent two years there, and it coincided with we lost, I think, four kids or five kids to go play college football and, you know, a couple of them at Division One level and, and – um, it was just bad timing. We really struggled our first year in 2A. Uh, didn't win a game. But I had a crowd of sophomores, and they battled, and they never really got down on things and, and, and fought in the weight room and fought on the field. And we bounced back last year as our second year in 2A, and we managed to, despite some injuries, pull off a couple wins. We won with 18 kids dressed. We won our last two games to make the playoffs uh, our last year in 2A. 
and that the prize for that was winning all expense paid up trip up to Abbeville. But it, it was good. It was a strong thing. <laughs> this past season, 2020, uh, we got to drop back. We dropped back down to Class 1A. Um, and obviously everything about this year is, is kind of nuts. But I tell you what, all the trials we went through for our, our group of seniors, what they went through is sophomores and juniors, you know, they were prepared for adversity. And so they managed. we managed to make the best of it, uh, did what we could working out. Uh, actually, you know, lost a crucial region game early by, by a touchdown, and that kept us out of the playoffs. But ended up finishing winning four of our last five and won our last three in a row. Uh, we beat uh, Ridge Fremonetta going in, you know, at the end of the year to kind of give us a boost. Uh, sent those seniors out. They played, I tell you what, they played the best football they played the last two games of their senior year. And that's, that's all you can ask. We'd all like to make the playoffs. But I told that particular crowd, I said, you know, you get to walk off the field winners. And this, the problem with making the playoffs is only one team gets to do that. And um, in addition, we had uh, we probably played – I probably had 12 to 14 freshmen start at least one game. I've never had a situation like that before. Uh, at the end of the game against Rich Fremnetta, we had seven guys up front on the offensive line and five of them are ninth graders. And we managed to pull out a win there. And so we're really excited about the future. It's a special group coming out. Definitely. We're excited to have you guys. And of course the Lions here on the bus here tonight on Southern Sports Centers. We're hanging out on the campus virtually over there in Louisville at the high school right off of uh, I-77 exit 65. And then literally on that border, just a few miles, 25 if you're counting it, uh, to the state line there with the weather, like we were saying early, Coach, uh, man, the weather has been a, a different deal, man. It seems like a lot of rain has hit uh, Charlotte and, and just south of there, which I guess is exactly where you guys are at because we haven't had yep. the rainy days like you guys have had. I mean, that's definitely uh, caused a little bit of hiccup in some of the other sports. Now, with that, let me ask you, you talked about your seniors. How many seniors did you get to graduate this year, Coach? Uh, we had uh, nine, nine of our seniors. Have moved on. Uh, two of them are going to go play college football on the smaller school level, which is a real credit to those guys. Um, and like I said, the future's bright. Our participation at the lower levels is probably as big as it's ever been. Um, you know, we're averaging almost 20 kids, 20 or more kids a class in ninth, ninth, eighth, and seventh grade. Which for a 1A school, that's that gets us excited about the future. It really does. Talk to us a little bit about these nine guys. I know you said a couple of these guys are going to be playing some college football. I, I just I feel like these kids deserve a little moment here, and I'd like to have a chance if you can no uh, talk a little bit about this, these nine guys. I'd love a chance to get their names mentioned tonight here on the air. Sure, sure. No no question at all. Uh, you know, the, the guy that kind of – it's hard to say one lettuce because we really did have a really good group, and they went through so much. Um, I think we had, you know, the, the two going to play college football are Jaden Barnes is going to Methodist, uh, and then uh, Devin McCrory, who's a real undersized kid. He actually played in your all-star game. Uh, absolute bolt of lightning running. He's on his way to go play at St. Andrews. Um, but as far as the ones that were three-year starters, that they, they saw the 0-10 year, and, and that was what I meant for those guys to – in a community like ours, 0-10 was very, very hard for people to swallow. Our administration understood. Our coaching staff understood. It was tough on people because that's not what they're used to seeing. You know, Louisville you know, has won four state titles and played for seven, I think, and 
you know, I'm following in the footsteps of guys like Jimmy Wallace and Benny McMurray. People are legends in coaching in South Carolina. And uh, I think I got a football on my desk that has six names on it from over the years. Not while I've been here, but just throughout the history, I got all six guys to sign it. You know, we're a 1A school where six guys have had at least a cup of coffee in the NFL. And uh, so that's, that's a pretty special thing. But our current seniors hung in through that 0-10 year when a lot of people, you know, like I said, had a tough time swallowing it. They kept battling. Uh, we'd mix it up in the summer with bigger schools all the time because we're right up here by the Rock Hill people. Uh, John Hampton Dorsey's one that stood out, no question. Uh, he was a starter for us on both sides of the ball, went from offensive line to fullback as a senior, and then also started on the defensive side. Um, you know, two real big guys for us on the O-line are our two seniors. Our senior center was an all-state, Riley Alexander. Uh, super excited about him uh, and his future. He's a 4.0 student. He's going to go make a lot of money doing some great careers somewhere, I'm sure. And then uh, Isaac Falkenberry was a, a kid for us that fought past a couple of knee injuries. He missed uh, probably out of our six games this year, he missed three. The three games he played, he uh, we averaged over 300 yards on the ground. That had a whole lot to do with him. Uh, some other ones, like I said, I had some guys, Jacob Seegers and Jordan Brown at the end of their, uh, you know, some guys who've been up and down throughout their career. And uh, Jordan Brown's a kid who played DB and, you know, he's, he's probably five, uh, five, eight, 155 pounds. And we end up putting him on the D line as a senior. And he has three sacks against Ridge Spring that night. It was a real big, including back-to-back plays in the fourth quarter. This was a real big key. Uh, and I guess that's kind of what I mean when I say these kids were playing some of their best football uh, as seniors. Uh, it's just such a group. Uh, I was super proud of them. Yeah, well, we echo that. Super proud of all of you guys here that, again, fought through the things that you couldn't see. You know, that's, that's kind of the thing, Coach, that I saw with every athlete in the fall, they were you can't. It's hard to fight against what you don't know, right? And we didn't know what we were dealing with, other than the factor that we had to kind of stay together. Now, talk to me about some of the lessons and and all the years you've been coaching and the years you played this game called football, coach. You know, to me, it seemed like this really got our guys to be unified together better and hold each other accountable. And this was at the, the level of the athletes. Can you talk to me a little about that when it came down to it? Seemed like this year, these the, the teams across the state seemed a lot closer than a normal season? I think that's a really accurate statement. I really do. This crowd pulled together when they started. First off, when we were finally cleared to work out, they were really the only group kind of seeing other kids, you know. Um, I think we're probably going to, for lack of a better term, suck at the ramifications of this past year for a long time. Because I see every day, you know, teaching class and stuff, I see the effect it's had on these kids to be isolated at a time period in their life they're not supposed to be. And um, But for our players, I think it gave them an outlet. I think for our coaches, myself especially, it provided, you know, some perspective. Uh, we tend to, you know, there's a reason you go into coaching football. You have a passion for it. You tend to eat, sleep, and breathe it, and you feel like you're going to bleed it sometimes. And um, I guess there's two things. It, it, made, it made us kind of put some things in perspective as far as the game itself and and, and its relationship to the real world, but also not in a way that lessened the game. It put it in perspective in a way that, you know, also this thing was good. It was We had been through adversity before, and I know it, it wasn't the life or death adversity, 
but kids kids equate those type of things. You know, uh, losing the big playoff game is equivalent to somebody, you know, a distant uncle dying. So, you know, it's a terrible thing. Um, and that, to me, that's what the value you get out of football. Uh, and athletes in general, football in particular, you get such a you, – you lay it all out there on the line, and sometimes things don't work out, and that's the way it is in real life. And um, yeah. what do you do when it happens in real life? You get back up and you keep going. And that's kind of what our kids did. Every everything that popped up, you know, we had, we got stopped a couple of times, and we got different. You'd miss this. You get the Thursday phone call. This game's canceled. Did this happen? Everything that popped up, everything to knock us down. Uh, our group just got up and kept going. Yeah, we're going to keep going here with a guy who I believe is going to do some great things over there at Louisville High School. Of course, it's all about the Lions right there off of Exit 65 down I-77. Here tonight on the show, talking some high school football, Friday Night Lights. Coach, you know, I love 1A football and 2A football, 3A football, and I, and I enjoy the fours and the fives. But to me, you know, it's the grassroots of high school Friday Night Lights because it's still small-town charm. And, again, you, you mentioned 380 kids in a high school total, not, not classification as far as juniors and seniors. That's an overall number, correct? I mean, so tell me, what's it like yes, to be a head coach in a small town knowing that the whole town – is is there watching you in during a normal season? Well, you know, the years you win, you know, ten games is great. The years you don't win the games is not as <laughs> not as much fun. I tell you what, though, to me, I grew up loving football. I, I, I grew up in the state of South Carolina. I, I, you know, I always knew what I wanted to do, and I knew who before I came over here. I knew who Jimmy Wallace was, and I knew who Benny McMurray were, and I knew about. Wesley McFadden and Sheldon Brown. I spent four years over there with Victor Floyd as defensive coordinator at Chester, and I always thought, and that's a special place too, but I always thought I went with Victor down to Brunswick, Georgia, for a couple of years. But over that time, I always thought, even after I left Chester County, I thought that would be a special place to coach because of the tradition. You embrace the tradition and because of the, uh, the small-town atmosphere. It's actually about four or five little communities put together that are really tiny communities and they all come together for one high school and i promise you it's not just football it's athletics i mean i've been there nine years i think we've won you know baseball's won one basketball's won one girls have won three or four they won three in one year one time and you go out there right now and you see the same support from people the same uh community support we're actually in the process of trying to do a fundraiser to, to build up our weight room. Uh, we, we were lucky enough to have Sheldon Brown, who uh, played for the Eagles and played at Louisville High School, donated a weight room to us 16 years ago. He built it while he was still in the NFL. And it's been 16 years. It was a great thing he did. And we're trying to get some people together to come back and kind of add on or add to it after about 16 years. And we didn't want to go back to him. He, he's done so much for this school and all the alumni has. It's, it's such a. Uh, I'm so proud to, that I've been lucky enough to be a part of Louisville High School and about of the community. And uh, I just can't say enough about it. No doubt, is we're excited to have Coach Mitchell. He is the head football coach of at Louisville High School. The Lions here on the clock tonight. Now, Coach, you mentioned uh, nine years. Is that is that the number that you've been there? And, and tell us a little bit about what land did you there? You said you played football or you played sports here in our state. Where did you go to high school? And yes. Kind of give us a little history from your past. Sure. I'll try to give it quick. I bounced around a pretty good bit. Uh, 
I, I grew up on Lake Murray, Shady, South Carolina. My father owned the music business in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And then uh, I, le- I uh, went to Camden Military Academy from 10th grade on. Uh, got out, went to school for a year in Florida, just small school, uh, came back. I ended up playing. Now, this is you guys might find this interesting because you can talk to some people about this. I played on the first football team at Charleston Southern when they first went from Baptist College to Charleston Southern. And I don't know how many people know this, but on that same first-year team, now I didn't finish there. I finished somewhere else, and a lot of these other guys did too. But on that first team now that we were down there, Dan Holland was on that team. who was AD at Pillion, football coach there. Kelvin Roller, who just got Dylan, he was on that team. Mickey Wilson, who's at Myrtle Beach, was on that team. Jody Jim Rett was on that team, who's at West Lawrence now. Danny Lewis, who's at Eastwood Hall, was on that team. There's like nine or ten of us that are all head football coaches in the state now. It's nuts. Wow. I played on that first team at Charleston Southern. And, uh, but anyway, we so played a couple years there, ended up finishing actually up at Winthrop, uh, where I got my first coaching job. It was 1993 at Northwestern High School, where I was a fly on the wall, watching some people do some great things. And uh, we, my first year there, we ended up beating uh, Gaffney, three nothing. I'm sorry, Two nothing in the state championship. Blocked the field goal at the end of the game to, to up there when they were playing Death Valley to win the state title. And uh, you know that was a rough way to start my career because I thought all the years were going to be that way. <laughs> and it doesn't quite work that way. But I bounced around a little bit. Uh, I actually spent a couple years at Camden Military. Spent a couple years back at Charleston Southern as a grad assistant, did my master's, uh, and ended up getting a couple years in the land. I got hooked up with Victor Floyd when he came back down and went to uh, Chester for the first time. We were there four years, had a great run, uh, lost the state title by two points uh, or two, in, uh, in 2007. He got a job offer in Brunswick, Georgia. That was very, very appealing in terms of some of the things that go with being a Georgia school. We went down there. Uh, I spent two great years in Brunswick, Georgia. Loved those guys. The first team we coached had two NFL kids on it. And so, you know, you didn't know it then, but that's, that was how it was going to pan out. Uh, my wife got a job offer we just couldn't turn down. So we came back to Charlotte area, and this, I'm tying this up as quick as I can, but when I came back to Charlotte, I, I taught at Audrey Kell High School in South Charlotte. I was defense coordinator there under Adam Hastings for two years. Uh, Brunswick was 2,000 kids, and Audrey Kell was 2,400. It's the biggest school in North Carolina now, last time I checked. And so I went from there to Louisville with 380. And, you know, I went to my high school when I was a kid. which was very small. And I guess what I'm saying is that you asked what, how, what that was like. It's very different, but I've been blessed enough in my career to end up uh, – I've been blessed enough to be at a whole bunch of different size schools and work for some really, really first-class coaches and see how they handle things at different sizes and stuff. And uh, I, I've just been blessed in every way. I, I can't hardly believe it's been 10 years, you know, it, it's, and I don't have any intention of going anywhere either. We're excited to have you here with us tonight, for sure, Coach. Because I can tell you what, let me ask you this. You've coached in multiple states. And and growing up in this state, we always hear, and that's why 12, 14, whatever years ago when I created this platform, I did it for this purpose because I want to make sure that the ballers here in the great state of South Carolina where I played football and baseball back in my days in high school and went off to college to play baseball here in the state, you know, I wanted to make sure that we had our recognition, had our day uh, on the air. Now, what is the difference there? I mean, where do you see South Carolina sports since you've coached in multiple states? And, and give me your outline as far as what's your thoughts of, 
of the other states that you spent some time in? Sure. Uh, first off, athletes in South Carolina are, are, you know, obviously our population is not through the roof, but the athletes here are ridiculous. Not just and in every sport. I mean, you look at the NBA, you see that. You know, the best the mm-hmm. best in the Palmetto State can hold their own with the best of anybody. Um, my experience, and I hope nobody's mad at me about all this, I, I spent over a six-year period coaching at really good schools in three different states. My opinion was Georgia off the sheer numbers. They're just so big. So they have, you know, they don't have better athletes out there. It just seemed like more of them uh, just because of so many. The coaching is better here. And, I, and now let me give that a, a, a caveat. The coaching is really good in South Carolina. Part of the reason it's better than the coach in Georgia is there's 480 high schools in Georgia last time I checked. Guess what happens if you make a run to the state championship? All your assistants get head jobs. So the staffs in South Carolina were able to stay together more. Does that make sense? You know, there's 120 open jobs in Georgia every single year. Um, Went to North Carolina. It was interesting, all these right together. Uh, So I thought the quality of coaching in, in, in South Carolina was better top to bottom, uh, thought the athletes, you know, like I said, they just had more. They weren't any better, but they just had more. And then when I went to Charlotte, you know what's funny about Charlotte? They, they didn't have the athletes the other two places had. They, they still have good athletes. I mean, it is, you know, it's probably an under-recruited city, if you ask me personally. But um, in Charlotte, everybody, and keep in mind, this is back in, you know, 2010, 2011, everybody could throw and catch. Like the kids, you know, in Charlotte – Everybody had a, the quarterback had their. They were doing the personal instructor and personal trainer stuff and things like that. And then all these passing leagues, you know. Whereas if you're out in the country somewhere, maybe you don't have all those opportunities. And so I had to make some changes real quick because I was down in South Georgia and people were lining up wishbone and uh, wing tee and trying to run it down our throat. And I came back up to uh, Charlotte and everybody we played could throw it. They weren't all Division One quarterbacks, but they were all good, good high school quarterbacks. And uh, it was interesting those three, comparing those three things. But the quality, uh, I, I've long been a – we are an under-recruited state. We really are. Um, I was blessed, like I said before, to work for Victor Floyd. That's a guy you probably want to get on the show, as a matter of fact. But uh, from Green Sea, South Carolina originally, um, played in North Carolina E&T, and uh, just a heck of a football coach. But when I started working with him – he did a better job than anybody had ever been around about getting his kid's name in front of other coaches, getting them out there to college. And, you know, speaking frankly, for in South Carolina, and it's not this way now, and this is not meant to be a personal affront to anybody, but for a while there, I bet when I was coming out of high school, you had a lot of high school coaches who thought a couple different things. They thought, one, if they can't play at Carolina or Clemson, then they can't play Division One football. Well, that, that's really not the case. Uh, and two, there are co- and, and this is 20, 30 years ago now, that they thought, you know what, it's not my job to get everybody's kid into college. You know, it's my job to, you know, have a good football team, maintain a good program, help develop them, stuff like that. But, you know, the college scouts will find them. Well, that was a different time. That was 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Some of these kids now, some of these kids now, Richie, you know, they don't have – they have people at home, but they don't have people at home who know the right way to do it, the right way to get their name out there, the right way to get them in front of people, the right people to steer them to the correct level. 
because I, you know, we try to say this, and this is true. If if you don't mind taking out loans and you really really want to play college football, there's somewhere out there, and you don't mind traveling far from home. There's somewhere out there you can play, but you got to understand you might have to pay, you might have to you know build up some loans, things like that to do it. But I, I think a lot of people miss on opportunities because of that. But one of the things we try to do is educate our people as much as possible, our, our parents and stuff, about the whole process. We try to do everything we can to get our kids out in front of the right people, in front of the right uh, the right crowds. Uh, we try, and this is once again, I, everything I do I got from Victor Floyd is as far as the college recruiting stuff, just the networking. We would always go to the national convention, the national coaches association conventions, the AFCA. And the thing about that, people would ask us, why are your high school coaches going out there? Because most of those guys are college coaches. Yeah, but you're sitting at the, you know, you're sitting at the restaurant getting a bite to eat or something, having a beer, and you strike up a conversation with the guy next to you, and it turns out he's a college coach. And, you know, they're looking for a long snapper, and you got a long You know, funny things like that have happened over all the years I've done that. And so that's that was always a big deal, too. And uh, But you asked about, like I said, South Carolina, I, I have a lot of pride in my state. Uh, I'd put the best of what we have to offer up against just about anybody. Now, of course, we are live with uh, Coach Mitchell all the way from Louisville High School right up there. The Lions on the bus here tonight. They're, they're 7 o'clock stop, one-stop shop here with Southern Sports Central. Now, Coach, let's brag a little bit more about these uh, five-star coaches. Now, we brag about our players, but i got to brag about you coaches. thought you guys were ahead of the storm when there was the conversation of not having spring ball. You guys got into uh, the conversation on an, on Messenger or whatever it was. Uh, you guys were ahead of the storm yep. and made sure that it wasn't if. It's definitely when we play spring ball. Tell me how excited you were when, when of course, the commissioner came out uh, that day and said, hey, we're definitely going to do this, and here's what we're going to do. But yet it was the – and just the whole excitement of the unity of our coaches that came together, I thought, at a time of need. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And a lot of credit goes to our leadership there and the association. And it's a tight-knit group. We don't always get along because we're all competitive. But like I said, it's, it's a tight-knit group. Most of us, if you coach in this state very long, this will be my 25th year, you've crossed paths with enough guys. And sometimes, you know, we may not be best of buddies, but, you know, it might be people you compete against or you have respect for. It might be somebody you have a beef with. But we all love football. Football is a big deal in this state. And it's a really big deal in the area we are. We consider ourselves to be part of what they call the Tri-County area, which is uh, York, Lancaster, and uh, Chester County, which is the Rock Hill area. And, you know, the Rock Hill area in general, this area, we have a lot of pride about the quality of football we put out. And then the state as a whole has a lot of pride, and they should. Um, and it was a special thing. I'm glad we did that. We need to be proactive about these things because if we're not careful, other people will make – people who are not in the business will make decisions for us, you know. And they may mean well, but they don't – if you're not in the business, you don't know every aspect of it. You don't know every corner, every you know, things like that, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I do feel this. I feel like we've been proactive in making the game safer. I really do. Uh, it just, you know, we've had to be because it seems like for a while there, there's, there were some people out there who just seen football fall by the wayside. And that'd be a terrible thing for, for our country as a whole, in my opinion. Um, but 
it just, it, like I said, it was a, a proud thing, but it, it didn't surprise me if you want the truth. Uh, you know, we've tried to be, and those guys have used social media, actually. You know, a couple, we're all on the same uh, couple of chat, I guess they call them chats or whatever, and a couple of these apps where we can communicate very quickly with all of each other. And I think that was really pivotal in getting that legend, making sure that the uh, no decisions were made cutting off spring ball. No doubt, Coach. And I love you. You can hear the difference here uh, between, of course, uh, you know, social media is something that, you know, Coach, you and I didn't grow up playing with. I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm 43, and I know you mentioned when you were at uh, Charleston Southern in that first class, which, man, what an all-star group. We ought to get all you guys on here at one point talk to football. But, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, you guys found a way to make sure that we saw another day and a better day in having spring ball. Now, you talk about safety. One of the final things I want to ask you it's a two-front sure. question. Number one, you know, last year, what we started in a season like you and I, back when you played, we played after Labor Day. That wasn't an uncommon thing. We only, uh, you know, started uh, yep. more recently playing before Labor Day because of, you know, vacation spots. Where I grew up there in Myrtle Beach, you know, we couldn't afford to take the kids, you know, off of the go-kart tracks and off the theme parks because that was what was right running it all make money. Yeah. So it, yeah, making that money for the town, making money for themselves. But, you know, you start to kind of think about it. The only wet bulbs we ever talked about were the were the bulbs and the helmets, right? The kids, that that was about it. But now it, it is something that has become, an, you know, a conversation. If it gets to a certain degree, sure. then everybody on the field has to come in. We understand that. Do you like the factor, Coach, that we started this year? And would you like to see it going forward to where we start, you know, the, the day or the, the weekend after Labor Day and then kind of maybe – give us an extra season or an extra week in the season going into uh, the the latter part of the year? At the end. Um, you know, it's a good question. but the, And I, I, it's hard to answer unless you tell me what we're going to lose. Because when that was proposed to us recently, uh, it was for, for that to happen means you're just getting the region champ and region runner-up in the playoffs. And I know what people intend when they see they, – they get they, – you know, every year we've had our regular playoffs. You've had some team that's two and eight in there. Heck, we were four and seven when we were four and six when we went to Abbeville, um, and they, you know, beat us like we owed them money. But I, the problem <laughs> is, I just think football is so competitive in this state. My two best teams I've had here, I think, were sixteen and seventeen. We were ten and three, and nine and four, and both years we lost by less than a touchdown in the third round of playoffs. Neither one of those years were we in the top two in the region. We, we Coincidentally, those two years were, you know, McBee had the best group of kids coming through they've ever had. And it was McBee and Lamar, and we'd lose close games to those guys. And, and arguably, you could ask those coaches, Corey Fountain's over there in Lawrence now, but he used to say this, you know, our th- top three teams in our region were three of the top five in the state. And, you know, things like that pop up. To me, here's – and I know people are like, oh, why do we get a 2-8 and eight team in the playoffs? Well, here's the thing. More football is not bad to me. And what I mean by that is, you know what, the kids I had two years ago that were seniors with Abbeville, they can say they were on the first Louisville team to make the playoffs in 2A. They don't have to tell people their record necessarily, but they take pride in it, and they can say they made the playoffs and stuff like that. And I just don't see the harm in it. You know, I don't – and so if you're going to take that away, I have no problem with moving until after Labor Day. But the the problem would be what would we lose in return. 
And I think one thing, while I got the uh, second just to speak, uh, and I, to some ex- and, and this is just something I've shared with some other coaching guys, I'm afraid people get this idea that every football coach is like a meathead with a club over his shoulder and all that. And if, if you didn't have people watching us every day, uh, yeah, every one of our players would be, you know, rolled over dead out in the field. And that just couldn't be further from the truth. But that's what I, I feel like sometimes when people come and talk to us about, well, they have no concern about a kid getting a concussion or no concern about a kid, you know, staying out in the heat when he shouldn't and all that. And every coach I know personally – is as incredible concern about that. And sometimes you just get tired of, of hearing that, you know, that stereotype associated with coach. Now, we also have incredible concern with the fact that if you hadn't practiced in 95-degree weather at all and the first time you do it, so you try to go out and do it in a game, that's not going to go well. That's where kids get in trouble. But – uh so, and, and I know that might not have been the answer you wanted exactly as far as that, you know, what what I, what I we feel about the Labor Day thing. I see advantages on both sides. I would have no problem with moving it if we were going to extend the season. But the word they told us is that they wouldn't do it if we, they, they weren't planning on extending the season. They would just cut the playoffs. And I, I think it's been almost unanimous. We got on the, you know, like I said, we've had these conversations as head coaches. It's been almost unanimous. We're 90, 95% against that as, as far as the, you know, 5A all the way down to 1A football coaches in the state. that okay? Did I lose you? Well, I'm, I'm not sure this year, Gene. Well, Coach, Coach but i tell you what. Yep, I got need. you. Okay, good. Sorry. So we got 25 that was years a long-winded answer. Here, I apologize. Uh, <laughs> No, you're fine, man. I'm sitting here writing down notes. I feel like I was getting it. It's a lesson. I love it. This is why we bring you guys on, Coach, because we can read about the wins and the losses, but you're much more than a win and a loss. I mean, you got 25 years. you got nine years where you're at right now. You've been in three different states. You were one of the original members of Charleston Southern, the original Charleston Southern team. I mean, you don't learn that stuff if we don't put you on the air and give you a microphone. It's about you. It's not about us. So I appreciate your time and all the education and just – the unity that we're building here tonight between us and the Lion family over there, of course, uh, hanging out uh, with you guys over there at Louisville. So, uh, again, I want to get you back with us. I want to say thank you so much for what you did and what you're doing, and I just can't wait, man. It's going to be a great year over there, and uh, I'll be Uh heading that way. I'm actually heading to Charlotte this weekend, so I might uh, ask somebody to pull over and let me see uh, the big bright lights in Louisville before I go into Charlotte this weekend. That's it. You just uh, turn it, go go the opposite way away from Chester for two minutes down the road, and you'll find it. I'd be remiss while I have you guys on if I didn't say what a great yes, job sir. you did with the All Star Game. I felt like I was just really, it was a really good experience. It was a really strange year to have to do it, but uh, I thought the game was competitive. Great bunch of kids, and thought you guys, you know, you had a lot to deal with logistically. I thought you handled that very well. We sure appreciated this. As, as high school coaches in the state. Well, we, we tried to do what we could, working well with Ken Brown and his great group over there at the high school blitz. Again, we like to say we smother and cover the state. We're down here in the low country. They're in the upstate. We've uh, got Everett Sands, part of our team. They've got Miss V, part of their sure. team, in the middle of the state there in Columbia. So, you know, we do what we can, but it was an honor and opportunity. And, you know, for us to be able to say we put on the first ever junior bowl and, and again, uh, to put together a senior bowl down here in Charleston, uh, you know, because the low country doesn't get a lot of that. Uh, so it was an honor, and I appreciate the no. kind words, and I'll make sure I relay that to Ken and his group up there at the high school blitz. 
I appreciate it. I sure do. Well, Coach, again, congratulations on a successful season. If you played one or if you played them all, you played a game, and that was our goal is to get you on the field. So I appreciate it. And, again, don't go too far because we're going to get you back in here with us here in the next couple of weeks. No, no problem at all. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you having me, and I appreciate everything you guys and, and your organization does for high school sports in South Carolina. You got it, Coach. God bless you. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. All right, guys, there you go. Look at that. That is a five-star guy all the way around. You don't get any better than the great state of South Carolina when it comes to high school coaches. Again, 25 years. Man, I tell you what, they hand out rings. They hand out things. They do things at a job when you get 25 years under you. But he's got that. He's got nine years just right there in Louisville High School with the Lions, and he ain't going anywhere. You heard it right there. You want to find him, get off the exit 65, right down I-77, and you'll see what Friday Night Football is is all about. We got to take a break. The bus is on the way back down here to Charleston where a guy that played at Wando that went to the University of South Carolina. Of course, he played and uh, I believe was recruited by uh, Oh Will Muschamp. He was a quarterback, moved into some other roles, and now he's a coach. Over there were Johnny Waters and the Hurricanes over there at First Baptist. He also is part of that QB1 doing great things down here in the low country. And who else is that? Well, that's Bailey Hart right after this, guys. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Southern Sports Central with Richie Altman and Eugene Benton taking your calls at 323-784-9681. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! And we welcome in with us from the first of many, and that is Mr. Bailey Hart. He's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of titles. He's part of that QB one experience here in the great state of South Carolina. Does it right here in Charleston. He's part of Johnny Waters group. He's a quarterback coach with the Hurricanes. At first, Babbitt, he's a former warrior from Wando. He's a Gamecock. He's got it all, and tonight he's part of our team of Southern Sports Center. What's up, Mr. Hart? How's life? And uh, I guess you're hey, Mount hey. Pleasant tonight? Is that? Yeah, you'll, you'll find me in Mount Pleasant tonight. I'm actually uh, on the golf course just working on my short game a little bit, uh, working on my, my putting stroke here. Got a little green behind the house, behind the, the townhouse. I'm not living large or anything, but got a little townhouse and got a little green behind it, so I'm just putting some balls. There you go, man. Hey, so you and I had a chance to meet for the first time a couple of weeks back, about a month now over there, actually, at First Baptist. I know we've uh, we, we've come in contact through social media. Uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff with you yep. guys over QB1. I remember some of the first time. Matter of fact, I remember the first time. I remember the first time that uh, QB1 landed on Somerville High School. Me and Coach Call uh, opened the doors, opened the facility, gave them a classroom, and 
man, it's done incredible things with Terry Orth and, of course, Garcia. Here you are uh, making it bigger, making it better, doing things here uh, in Charleston, man. So, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all that you do before and after Friday Night Lights even become a conversation, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate all the help you've, you know, you've been with QB1 and everything. So when you look at things, uh, let's start back at your days at Wando. We'll get into QB1. We'll get into the Hurricanes. But I want to talk about who is uh, not the real Slim Shady, but who is the real Bailey Hart here on the show tonight. Is, uh, <laughs> you, man, you, you did some big things at Wando, man. You, you played for a great coach. Uh, the athletic director, of course, uh, is, uh, is an icon on this show, is a legend on this show. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, uh, Bailey Hart coming through the system and, and working hard with some pretty good receivers and uh, other defenders around him, man. Uh, talk, walk us through your, your path oh, yeah. through Wando and what landed you there in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, growing up, born and raised in Mount Pleasant, two older brothers. Um, both of them went to Wando. So, growing up, Wando football was it, man. You know, that was that was what you looked forward to. You wanted to play on Friday night. Uh, Friday night under the lights, you know, over off, over off Whipple at Old Stadium, um, no longer there. But, um, but yeah, so that was growing up. You know, I had two older brothers to look up to. My oldest brother Zach was a, a wide receiver, and um, my middle brother uh, Christian was a quarterback there who came before me. Um, so they kind of, you know, paved the way for me, and uh, I learned a lot from both of them, and and was able to, um, you know, coming up be surrounded by great players. You know, Kevin Brown or Trey Smith. Um, you know, just a lot of guys um, who who made it easy on me, you know, at the quarterback position, having weapons around you always helps. But, um, you know, Coach Noonan uh, played for him when I was there all uh, all four years. Loved Coach Noonan. You know, I felt, felt he prepared me for college um, really well. But um, I, I, I love playing for Wando. You know, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Like I said, I grew up wanting to be a warrior and, and wanting to be out there. So, um, you know, ha- had a lot of fun out there. And, uh, not not as many wins as I'd like. My my older older brother Christian, they they had the uh, the good team in the win category. They went eleven and one. Um, so I, I was always chasing him, always chasing my oldest brother, um, and that was kind of what motivated me um, throughout high school. And then you know ended up being fortunate enough to earn a preferred walk on spot at Carolina, and you know that's kind of kind of how it went for me. Now, of course, he's part of the original Hart Brothers. Again, if you're a wrestling guy, you can understand what I'm going with there. Now, again, I, I believe it was Christian. Was he one of the coaches at Somerville? Didn't, is that the brother that was at Somerville last year or year before last? Correct. Yeah, correct. He was over at Somerville um, under Coach Call. He, he was, um, you know, coaching JV, doing quarterbacks, that, that sort of thing. And uh, now he's over at uh, Lucy Beckham High School. He's the offensive coordinator over there now. Right, which is big deal. Great guy in the small world that it is when you actually brought that to my attention. It made sense because I can see, you know, their resemblance there, man. So you walk on. I mean, you, let's talk about, you know, uh, taking a chance, believing in yourself, man, uh, you know, having that opportunity. You make the most of it. And uh, some familiar faces uh, from Somerville, some familiar faces from just here in the low country, uh, are either already on the team or came on the team when you were there. Uh, what was it like walking yeah, on yeah. And, and having that preferred walk on to believe in yourself and to work a little bit harder to get that chance and you got that and a lot more? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great experience. I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Um, easy experience, no. Easy route, no. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot just about myself and, and going through trials and tribulations, you know, at that level. It's being a walk on, anybody who was a walk on or, you know, who was a part of a, 
the college program knows that it's it's a harder route. You know, you're not you're not handed anything. You got to work twice as hard for everything you get. Um, and so I I, uh, I really enjoyed the challenge, and that was what it was for me. You know, I, I knew it was a challenge coming out of high school. I knew it wasn't going to be hey step on campus and get playing time. Um, but I just tried to embrace that challenge as much as possible. You know, and come to work every day and and you know just work my butt off and and try and try and earn respect, try and earn a spot. Um, and you know ended up not being at the quarterback position, you know, I played quarterback for two years, um, you know, which was a grind. And uh, after two years, I was low on the depth chart and we had some injuries at wide receiver. And so um, I told coach, I was like, Hey, I can do that too. You know, wherever I can get plugged in and help the team and and contribute, you know, that was, that was my focus. Um, I I say I'm a quarterback first, but I'm a quarterback, but I'm a football player first, excuse me. Um, So, you know, that was the mentality that I tried to take is just go in every day, work my tail off and, and, and try and earn a spot and, you know, be good enough to, to get out there on that field. And I'm, I'm really glad I stuck it out and was able to, you know, to contribute a little bit in the second half of my career there. Sticking it out with us here tonight is Bailey Hart. He's got a, uh, a, a quite the resume and a business card that uh, is full as well because he does a lot of things and not a lot of time for himself, which makes him an even better man. I tell you, man, for you to give back so much as you're giving at so many different levels, man, you know, I, I love everything about that, man, because that's, as a former athlete myself, you know, I, I love that aspect that you're giving back to the kids and you're giving back to the cause they gave to you, and which is why, you know, you were able to have these conversations. Now, what was the biggest lesson you learned at your days at the University of South Carolina that you go back to maybe at your hardest days here as an adult, as we got to call it adulting, that you go back and that's kind of what kind of thrives you and drives you to get you through some of the tougher days? Yeah, I'd say, you know, the biggest thing for me as simple and, you know, maybe as cheesy as it sounds is, you know, hard work pays off. Um, and that was one of the things where I, I doubted throughout my time in Carolina. I'd be lying if I said I, I never thought about quitting or transferring or any of those things, you know, but I just kept my head down, kept chugging away, you know, and, um, you know, earned, earned a earned a little spot for myself on the field. Wasn't a, you know, wasn't an All-American or anything like that. But uh, for me, you know, getting to be out there on the field and, and help my team win ball games was um, you know, that was the goal for me. I knew I wasn't going to the NFL. You know, I just love playing ball and, and love being out there with my brothers. And so um, just coming in every day and, and learning to – and Muschamp would always say, set your face, you know, and I, I say it now even jokingly. But um, just learning to wake up and not make excuses for myself, but um, just face the adversity that's coming head on um, and set your face and, and you know, just go and, go and accomplish what needs to be accomplished and, and do your job in the way that needs to be done. So – um, I try to have that mentality there, and, and it's definitely something that um, has I just learned a lot, you know, through going through that adversity and, and now, you know, working life and training and coaching. You know, I, I don't mind doing all that extra stuff just because, you know, what, what we went through was so grueling and, you know, taught me so much discipline and time management, you know, you name it. Um, but, but, yeah, that, that would be the biggest takeaway for me is just, hey, keep your head down, keep working, um, and, and, you know, things, things will work out for you. Hanging out right now, I'm getting ready to talk a little bit about what he does here in the low country around the great state of South Carolina, of course, with QB1 and also with Coach Waters and the boys at First Baptist, which they had an incredible year this past year. The Hurricanes were definitely Category 5 all the way through and through. Now, let me ask you this, because I've had a chance to get to know Will Muschamp uh, on and off conversations on air, and again, uh, even sitting in there, I remember when he beat Florida, you know, sitting in the locker room, 
with him. I had my son with him. He's sitting there talking to my son as if he had known Jacob for 20 years. I mean, that was just the side of Will Muschamp that the media doesn't let you see. For whatever reason, uh, there's a whole mm-hmm. side of Will Muschamp that you know more than any of us. Uh, again, I never played for him, but I have had a one-on-one with him, and it came from the heart off the air and, and of course, unscripted. That, uh, you know, it definitely makes me sad that it ended the way it did. Tell me something, a story about you and Coach Muschamp that, that, that relates back to something that you'll always be thankful for on your days of playing for the Gamecocks and playing for Will Muschamp. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Coach Muschamp is, you know, he, he really was a, an open-door policy type of guy. You know, anything's on your mind, um, you know, star player, walk-on scrub, you know, scout team All-American, whoever you are, if there's something on your mind, his door's open, you know, go and talk to him. It's not one of those things where he's this, you know, coach that's, you know, just a miss and, you, you know, you see him at practice and that's it. He's, you know, he's in guys' lives. He's checking on you. He's, you know, texting you when you get a job. You know, hey, man, congrats on the job. Hey, man, hey, anything you need, let me know. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest thing about Mustamp is he's, he's so much more involved than I think the media makes him out to be. Um, you know, I think everybody sees the, you know, the, the hard side of, you know, where he's punching a whiteboard or, or just being passionate on the field, you know, but they don't see um, him reaching out to guys and, um, and really just caring for guys. You know, when Jake Bentley got hurt, he said, you know, Coach Muschamp would, would call him every day and check on him. Um, you know, and for me, when I was thinking about coming out and, and thinking about getting into the coaching world, you know, I, I was able to talk to him and, um, you know, he, he gave me advice in that aspect. And that, that was one of the things that, you know, that, um, that stuck with me is, is, you know, his passion for coaching. And he just told me, he said, look, if take some time off, you know, away from coaching, away from football and, and, and see if you need it in your life or not, you know, see, see if you're passionate enough about it to, to not want to leave it. Uh, and, and that was advice that I took. And, and, you know, I lasted about three or four months and I was ready to jump back in. So, um, but just, you know, coach Muschamp is, is just that type of guy where, Anything you need, give him a call, and he means that. It's not, hey, he's not, hey, he changed his number, or hey, hey, I'm unavailable, I'll get back to you. You know, he he's gonna pick up the phone and, and he's gonna help you in any way that he can. Hanging out with his help and us any way he can here tonight is uh, Coach Bailey Hart, part of, of course, the QB one, also part of the uh, the boys over there on James Island at First Baptist. As the Hurricanes uh, had a great year. Let's talk about that before we do talk some QB one because we got some things I think coming up in April that you guys are gonna be doing. And uh, we want to be a part of that as well. Now, uh, you got the call from Coach Water. Johnny's been uh, on the show here uh, multiple times. We're big fans of what you guys do. And I-, I told everybody, look, the only thing that would slow you guys down would be uh, the cool waters of the word we don't use on this air. And that's the only thing that stops you guys. I mean, let's be honest. You guys were rolling, yeah. man. And the quarterback play was phenomenal. You guys were putting guys and dudes and into different levels and playing uh, at the next level. What, how did this relationship happen between you and Coach Waters, and what landed you over there at First Baptist? Yeah, so uh, my, my family's known uh, the Waters family for a while. You know, me and JT uh, grew up playing baseball, football, and he's kind of in between me and my brother's age. So uh, one of us was, you know, either playing with him or playing against him in some sort of sport. Um, and I think that's how our families originally met, you know, him and my dad have, have gone way back and known each other forever. So um, that's kind of initially how the just the relationship started. And then, you know, this past year when I came home, started doing QB1. You know, it's funny that you, you, know, you talk about QB1. That's actually how we kind of rekindled, if you will. He, um, will. Will Daniel, our quarterback this year, you know, first Baptist, um, came out and was training with me a little bit. And Coach Waters would come out and hang out, you know, as well as Coach Daniel, Will's dad. Um, and that's kind of how, you know, we, we – linked up again there and 
I don't know if they were coming out to watch or they're, you know, they were kind of vetting me to see if see if they wanted to have me around or not. But, um, you know, after a few training sessions and just talking to Coach Waters, he hit me up. He said, "Hey, man, I'm, I might have something for you." And I'm sitting there like, "Oh, okay, all right, what? Well, you know, uh, we'll see." And then, uh, he, you know, he calls me back a few days later, and you know, he's like, "Hey, let's, you know, let's go sit down and talk ball." And so we went and talked, and JT came along, and uh, you know, basically just said that yeah, they'd be they'd be happy to have me as the the quarterback coach over there, and. It, it worked out because I knew I would want to coach for a high school, uh, but my full-time job over at Dottie's Pharmacy on James Island, uh, a little shameless plug there. Y'all come see us if you need anything. Um, but my full-time job goes until 6 there, and so my brother's at Lucy Beckham. He's like, hey, man, come help out. And I was just like, man, I, I can't swing it. I'm getting off at 6. I'll be done with practice by the time I get there. Um, and so it worked right. out that um, First Baptist was just right down the road from uh, from where I work. And so – he was like, man, we don't start practice until six. That's perfect. And so, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where it just kind of worked out perfectly. It was right down the road and started at the same time. And, you know, obviously I'd known the success that he's had with First Baptist since he's been there. And so, um, you know, it was a no-brainer to, to go and be a part of that success and, you know, be around coaches like him, Coach Daniel, you know, Coach Reese on the defensive side. There's just a, a ton of experience on that coaching staff already. So, uh, for me as a young coach wanting to come up and, you know, learn and be a part of a good team. It was, you know, it was a no-brainer. It was an easy decision. No doubt. No, it wasn't any. It was, I think it was a no-brainer to get you in here with me tonight. As of course, uh, you and I talked about it there. Actually, that first bat, the first time you and I had a chance to catch up. But man, you, you're surrounding yep. yourself yep. with a lot of familiar faces and, and some great faces there. Of course, uh, Perry Orth. You know that guy pretty well. You guys uh, you got some history there. Of course, uh, Stephen Garcia, former quarterback for the Gamecocks. It's kind of like a, a reunion every time you guys get together. But then. Here you go. You bring a few other familiar faces when you guys are working out. Uh, tell me about your relationship with QB1. I know Perry's kind of given you the Charleston market, which controls basically the low country, which is all the way down to Buford, all the way up to the Grand Strand. I mean, quite frankly, you opened the door mm-hmm. for anybody, man. How did this relationship happen, and what landed you part of this uh, five-star QB1 program with Perry and, of course, Steven? Yeah, yeah, so I, I... – when I moved back home, you know, after COVID hit, I was living with my parents for a little bit. Um, and I, I had a couple guys down here that, uh, you know, I just kind of put up a post like, hey, if anyone's interested in training, let's go get some work in. Um, and so I had a couple guys I was training. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it was through Jacob August. You know, I said to Jacob just that I was training. He's like, oh, man, like you should, you know, you should hit up Perry. He's doing QB1 up here. Um, you know, you should, you know, try and try and bring it down there. And so we ended up, you know, uh, linking out that way and not that me and Perry don't talk we're obviously we were teammates and so we go way back um, but but yeah I reached out to him I was like hey man I'm I'm training down here and he's like well shoot he's like just just use the QB1 name you know we'll you know we'll kind of double team the state there he'll take you know Columbia upstate area and um, you know he had already had some QBs down here that he was training so once again for me a, a no-brainer there you know I, Perry's been doing that for a few years now and I'm fully on board with everything that he teaches. You know, I get a lot of my stuff from him. Uh, we had a lot of, you know, we had the same coaches in college, so that's where a lot of drills come from as well. But um, for me, you know, having the relationship that I had with Perry, you know, he was kind of a mentor for me, uh, you know, throughout Carolina, being a quarterback, being a walk-on. Um, so, you know, we've always been close. And then QB1 was, you know, just, uh, like I said, a, a no-brainer down here. Now, of course, uh 
we've watched what you've been able to do, thanks to the world of social media, talking to a lot of these quarterbacks, man. Uh, every weekend, almost every day, you, you're out here grinding with these young athletes, man, and you're moving it around, not just staying in one place. And I, I, and I of course, I tip my cap to you because you know, like anybody else, I mean, it's, it's hard for some of these kids from Somerville maybe to come down, so you meet them kind of halfway at times. What's uh, what's been going on? And, and give yourself an opportunity to talk about what's coming up. I know you guys, uh, you and Jacob have worked well together on a couple of things, and you've got a couple of other guys uh, filling some of the positions as well around you. Yeah, I mean, I've I've enjoyed doing QB one so much. Like you said, I'm always rolling around. I try and get it every weekend, every Saturday and every Sunday, um, and then I'll, I'll get a day off during the week from my my full time job every other week. So um, I'll throw a training session in there, but. I love staying busy, man, and I love being able to give these guys the knowledge that I wish I had when I was that age. You know, that's really why I do it. You know, I think um, I'm just trying to pass on the knowledge that someone has given to me, you know, and I I think uh, I've had a a lot of fun with it, Um, and, you know, we we have moved around a little bit. Some of our guys come all the way from Somerville, so we've we've moved. We're we're going mostly now over at – Governor's Park on Daniel Island. It's you know somewhat central. It's a big old field, so um, we've been we've been doing well there. But uh, like I said, it, it's just been a, a blast to get out here with these young quarterbacks. You know, all ages from eight year olds. I've got a couple eight year olds that come out and you know who are just dedicated. And it's it's just encouraging to see guys from the Charleston area hails off. You know, because I, I think it's you know a, a lot of people stereotype the Low Country as just not football, you know, when, when people think of the low country, they don't think of football, you know, and so uh, I, I know that's the narrative that these guys are trying to change coming out um, and getting better every every week, every weekend, you know, during the weekdays, uh, and, and that's what I'm passionate about as well, you know, just raising uh, raising the standard in this state and especially in the low country, you know, um, so like I said, it's been a blast and getting to work with Perry, you know, and, and Stephen Garcia, um, you know, in our gyration station camps or whether it's the uh, SC Elite camps with Jacob and, and Receivers Elite. Uh, that's been a blast as well, just to to be able to get out there with uh, former teammates and, and buddies, you know, and just coach some ball, man. Just try and pass on the knowledge that's been given to us and and, and fire up these young guys, and you know, just try and try and facilitate growth in whatever their position is, you know, whatever their goals are. Uh, that's what that's what we're here to help with. Purely just resources, you know. They're doing all the work. Um, and we're just, you know, trying to facilitate and, and give the knowledge that, that's been passed down to us. So um, it, it's been a blast. I, I've I've enjoyed it. I don't have too much free time, but, but I'm fine with it that way. You know, it's been really fulfilling to see see some of the quarterbacks grow in, you know, just the, not even a year that I've been doing it. Hanging out with us here tonight, wrapping it up with uh, Mr. Bailey Hart. Played his days at Wando. Played for Will Muschamp of the Gamecocks. And now, of course, coaching all around the great state of South Carolina with QB1 and a few guys that we've had on the show, Perry Orth, Stephen Garcia. He talks about Mr. Jacob August, who also played for the Gamecocks. He's got his uh, training group that he'll be actually joining us at 8.30 to talk about that. And Casey Crosby, a former Gamecock. It's kind of a Gamecock night here on Southern Sports Central. So he'll join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, tell us uh, what's coming up, uh, Bailey, in the future. You guys got uh, one of those mega camps like you guys had when I had a chance to catch up with you? Oh, yeah, we've definitely got some of those in the works right now. Um, haven't released dates yet, but um, especially this summer, we, we want to do more of those camps, you know, getting guys great reps um, with just all skill positions, you know, get good one-on-one TV reps, give, give guys an, uh, a chance to get a little exposure, go compete, 
um, and you know, obviously learn, but um, just work on their craft, man, and just just hone in their craft, getting getting good quality reps with DB receiver. I didn't mention, but uh, Bakari Blunt, who does B2C training down here, he he came out last camp we had, and um, it was great to have him out there as well. He uh, he actually grew up playing ball with my brother. I was at games when I was like nine years old watching. Uh, my brother and Bakari Blunt play. He ended up playing up at uh, Assumption College um, up there in Massachusetts. But um, he, he's another one that it's been great to, to be able to learn from um, through training and just be around and, you know, push each other and have our guys work together with each other. But, but yeah, we got some camps coming up this summer. Um, you know, stay tuned, whether it's on QB1 uh, Athletics Instagram or QB1 Charleston Instagram uh, and Twitter as well. That's where, you know, we'll post everything. We'll keep you guys updated with, um, you know, with what's going to happen here in the future. But definitely have some big things planned uh, coming up in April all the way through the end of the summer. Well, the next time you do something like that, let us know. Um, I'm going to be out of town this weekend, but the next couple weekends uh, when you're doing something, I'm going to come over and hang out. And then uh, when you guys do one of those mega camps, we'll do some radio with you guys, uh, get Eugene out of the house and make him hang out with us. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun, man. We'll blow it up, make a good time, grab some pizza or whatever. But uh, for all that you have Love done, it. all that you continue to do, and all that you will do, uh, Bailey, I appreciate you, man. I do, I do. And, again, to see uh, our low country guys and our state guys continue to work together to get better and to help our youth become uh, not only better athletes but just better young men as uh, the big picture here. Uh, with our athletes going forward, buddy. Thank you again for uh, coming on tonight. Well, I appreciate you guys, you know, and all that you do for, for high school sports as a whole. You know, I, I love the passion that you guys bring and, you know, the dedication to, you know, to just promoting this, uh, you know, this state and especially the low country and, and just, uh, you know, giving people a platform to, to do that as well. So uh, thank you guys for, for all that you do. And I, I appreciate you having me on tonight. Uh, we'll definitely have to, have to link up one weekend here when we got some training going on and, and you know, and talk about talk about one of those mega camps coming up. No doubt, man. I've got some other things I work with you possibly uh on some other levels as well. Bailey, uh again, where if you're not on the football field and you're not uh driving around town, you have a job on James Island, give yourself uh give your job a, a little shout out, man. I, I, I'm all about buying local, staying local, man. So uh, where <laughs> do we find you that nine to five job Monday through Friday? Hey, you can find me over at Dottie's Pharmacy at 325 Folly Road. Um, it, it's a specialty in compounding pharmacy. We do COVID vaccines. We do COVID uh, testing. That's my main focus is, is COVID testing. I got a little Mercedes Sprinter van that's converted into a mobile lab. Uh, so that's where I spend most of my time over there um, giving COVID tests and, you know, doing all the paperwork and stuff like that that comes with it. But uh, we've actually – we're getting some more vaccines in here pretty soon, so – um, if, if anybody needs a location to get a vaccine once they open it up, uh, we, we should have some vaccines here pretty soon and uh, should be giving them out. But uh, it's a great place to work, you know, 9 to 6, and uh, I love working for, for Scott and Dottie. But, yeah, y'all come y'all come see us over there, um, over on James Island. You got it, buddy. Hey, thanks again. Hey, even better. Listen to this. This guy's not only teaching you, he's keeping you healthy along the way. Bailey, God bless. Take care. I'll see you around the turn, my friend. Thank you again. Hey, y'all take it easy on KC and Jacob tonight, all right? <laughs> you got it, buddy. All right, guys, we got to go to break. Coming back, and like you mentioned, great segue. He's going to bring in Mr. Casey Crosby. We've had uh, his dad on just weeks ago. We talked to his uncle. Man, this is a family affair, Southern Sports Central style. Don't go anywhere. It is hour three. We're staying in Charleston with the one and only. He is the head JV coach over there at Oceanside, and he's on the staff on the varsity, and he's with us right here next, guys. 
Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Hey, y'all. You ready? Let's do it. Hanging out with us all the way over there at Oceanside, the Land Sharks. JB Coach, he's doing his thing on the varsity level as well. But tonight at the Southern Sports Central debut for Casey Crosby. Mr. Crosby, welcome to the show, big man. How you doing? I'm glad you got me on. And no doubt, man, you got a big, hey, man, you got some shoes to fill. You know, we've already had a, a Crosby <laughs> on or two, my friend, so uh, I'm sure – He's back there listening, making sure that uh, you're keeping up a little bit. We've already gotten the setup for you guys uh, to play in the big game. I think we've uh, connected with Mom, so she's going to have one of those split shirts we're going to make for her, man. So we've already done the legwork. You guys just have to put it together, man. But uh, welcome to the show, and congratulations on uh, the title that uh, I know Coach Call gave you a few weeks back and uh, just all that you continue to do over there at Oceanside. Oh, thank you, man. I'm super excited to get started with these kids. Um, first year was last year, of course. And, uh, I mean, I'm just really excited. We had our signing day the other day, the other night. I'm excited to get my hands on some of those in- incoming freshmen, get them going in uh first half. But, the, man, just continue the season like we had last year. Hanging out on the campus. We're in the tank. It is Oceanside's own coach, and that is Coach Casey Crosby. He's running the JV program. He's doing things on the Friday night lights and tonight, Monday night, he's with us right here on Southern Sports Central. Now, Coach Crosby, before we talk about uh, your days there now at, of course, Oceanside, let's uh, do like we did a guy that you know pretty well that just joined us, Bailey Hart. Tell us about your, your past, man, now, your days in high school and where you went to college, we know the answers, but uh, we'd love to hear your side of it. Oh, man, well, I'm, I'm from a small town, Bamberg. It's probably about an hour, hour and a half away from Charleston. Um, and I, I grew up around football. My dad, my uncles, I mean, just about everybody around me kind of involved themselves around sports. You know, I mean, coming through high school, I was a four-star athlete, uh, had over 30 offers, you know, I decided uh, to go to the University of South Carolina while I continued my uh, collegiate uh, play. And um had a couple of injuries, you know, had a good um, – really enjoyed college, really had a good time playing, playing for all my – I played for two different coaches, had a, had a great time, a great experience playing for those guys. And um, tried out for the uh, NFL, didn't work out. And then um, probably – I was just working, kind of like working little jobs, UPS, Amazon, just working different little jobs, just kind of just keep paying bills. And um, I finally, a job opened up down here at Oceanside, and Coach um, Carl, who uh, he has a real good relationship with my dad and my uncle, um, I kind of reached out to him, like, hey, Coach, I'm interested. And, um, and he got me down here when I was staying in Georgia. got me down here on an interview, him and Miss Corley and uh, Mark Meyer, AD, set me down, and, I mean, they hired me on the spot. And um, ever since then, man, I've, I've been at home. I've been super happy here at Oceanside. 
We're super happy to have you with us here, of course, uh, on Southern Sports Central as another Coach Crosby joins us here. Man, is it weird to hear Coach and Crosby together. I know you've always said it and you've heard it around because of your family and, of course, uh, your legendary father that continues uh, to just do big things in our state, man. But did you see this being your future and and your present as far as coaching? No, not at all. Like, I just put on uh, one of my social medias the other day. I kind of told myself I was I was done with football. I didn't want to coach football. It's not what I wanted to do. You know, I was trying to get away. I was working at Enterprise, uh, rental cars. I was trying to get into the, like, office business working world, you know. And, um, man, it just, just kind of wasn't – it didn't go the way I thought it would go. And then now, like, kids are calling me Coach Carl. But sometimes it still feels unreal, like, hearing them call me Coach Carl. I kind of got a double take at it. <laughs> How many times do you catch yourself looking around and seeing if they're talking to your dad or your uncle? Because, I mean, again, oh, like you said, man, this I, is not something you thought about. I still do that to this day. Just like <laughs> just having those kids always say, hey, Coach Crosby, Coach Crosby, just like hearing somebody calling my dad and my uncle over and over and over. Now, of course, you, you know, and you've got some pretty good buddies. I know Ricky Sapp, former Clemson Tiger guy, a guy that's pretty close to you as well. Dacon Bowers, another guy that I know you know well, played at Clemson. Man, there's something special, something mm-hmm. in the water, Bamberg, man. I know everybody talks about the big A, but just trust me, the letter B is pretty big, too, and that's Bamberg, man. You guys are putting out talent day in and day out. It's Friday Night Lights at its best. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your growing up there and, and, and being in a small-town USA place that, hey, man, Friday nights, everybody went to the football stadium. Man, it's just you, you live you live to play high school football in Bamberg, like, I mean, like like I said, I, I went through I went through high school and I you know I offers, but the biggest thing you live for since you've been playing rec league football in Bamberg, you live to play varsity football. You live for those Friday nights. You live for the tailgates going on. You live for all the cookouts going on while you're playing. You, you just live for all that stuff to see those fans on the fence screaming your name. And a lot of these guys know that maybe they won't go into the next level and play in college. But they fight so hard just to be a Bamberg Earhart Red Raider, and that's that's the thing that makes it so special down there. That these guys actually care about the program and the legacy of what's been left behind. I love it. It's ringing out right now, and talking a little bit about that uh, Red Raider, if you will, there with uh, Coach Crosby, a Crosby way of life. Since you, of course, uh, coaching on a Friday night, of course, it it would be unusual not to see a Crosby on the sideline. Uh, is, uh, we're live right now with Casey Crosby over there at Oceanside taking over the reins of the university program, the foundation, the building of the future of the land sharks going through uh, your door. Uh, quite frankly, coaches, uh, you had a chance to just meet a few of those guys the other night. But uh, before we talk about that, let's talk about the two coaches you played for uh, in South Carolina. Of course, uh, one of those, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Steve Spurrier. Was that was he there? Was uh, I know Will Muschamp was there. Uh, what was it like being a Gamecock, and why South Carolina, man? 30 offers, four-star athlete, man, you could have gone a lot of places. But uh, tell me about your recruiting process. Uh, for one, just South Carolina always felt like home. Like, we had, a, it was a lot of guys in that program that really built great relationships with me and my family, one of them being, like, Robbie Lyles, who I get to see, like, every other, every other week he works for BSN now. He was a big part of my recruitment. Just that relationship we built through since I've been in high school, just with other guys we had been recruited. Um, it was home for me. My dad, my dad's a high school coach, as you as you know, that would be one of the ways that he would definitely be able to catch every single one of my home games. Is playing right there in Columbia, which is about forty five minutes from the house. 
And that's what really meant the most to me, is having my family there to see me play. And um, that's one of the things. That, and then, of course, we had great coaches, and, and I love the coach. We were coming off 11-win seasons. Uh, I was just very excited to get there, and, um, and that was one of the biggest things that helped me make my decision. Now, of course, you're getting to play for some pretty big coaches there. Uh, tell me about some of the impressions that, that, that coaches left with you. I know Coach Muschamp, uh, Coach Furrier, you know, uh, two total-style coaches, the total difference uh, mentalities because, of course, one's a defense, one's an offensive guy, of course. Uh, what was it like uh, for Spurrier? Tell us what's about that and some of the things that you kind of maybe think about as uh, you're coaching now and you see maybe a little bit of that coming out in you. Uh, Coach Spurrier, he was he – was, he was very good and very experienced at what he did um, on the offensive side of the ball. He, he could tell you a play that he ran in 1975 or not 1980. He could tell you anything he ran that day, what play it was, who he threw it to, why they called that play, what coverage they were in. And that's, that's the kind of guy he was, just how he, how he just took in information and how he could uh, give it back to you. Now, of course, you've co- you, you played for a legendary guy who you called your dad. I know that very well. And then you go coach, you go play for a legendary guy like Steve Spurrier, and then here comes Will Muschamp. Again, uh, you know, we had the conversation uh, with, uh, you know, Bailey Hart, who also, of course, uh, played for Coach uh, Muschamp. You know, there's a whole side of Coach Muschamp that the media, for, again, some reason doesn't show, and that is a very open-hearted, yeah. charismatic, loves his dogs, loves his Gamecocks, I guess we should say on this show, uh, more than you could ever imagine. You know, he was definitely a player's coach and uh, wasn't – Maybe not jumping in your arms on the sideline, but definitely was loving on you in the locker room, man. Tell us about your time with a guy that Will Muschamp, who definitely uh, had a soft spot for you on his heart. Man, me and Coach Muschamp still have a relationship to this day. If I call him right now, be like, Coach, I need you, man. I'm in, I'm in trouble. What if I just called him to talk? He'd pick up the phone, and me and him would sit on the phone for an hour. That's just the kind of guy he was. Um, me and Coach Muschamp have a special relationship because. Um, I probably wouldn't have played as much as I did if we wouldn't have had a coaching change, just the way things were going, just schematically. But he's also – he's always been that guy that kind of never, like, gave up on me. I, I've had conversations of transferring with him when I when he got there, and he was like, man, I like your style. I like how you play. I like for you to stick around. I feel like you can make it here. And um, just, man, outside of football, he, he's a great dude. Like, we, we can go to his house anytime we want. We tell him, hey, Coach Muschamp, we're headed to the lake. He'll tell you where everything is. And, I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. I mean, his wife, they're very open. They're very, very loving. And they put, they took us in as as so. And I tell you, man, I appreciate you. And, of course, uh, Bailey saying the same thing because, you know, that's one thing about this platform, you know, Casey, that I want to make sure that people hear a, a side of you that they can't read in a magazine, they can't read in a newspaper article, or can't watch in a, a five-second blurb. And, again, you know, this is what Oceanside gets in a guy. You know, you're not just a, a guy on, on, on a Saturday afternoon football field on CBS playing against Alabama or playing against Georgia. You know, you're a guy who is built, you know, along the way, the testimonies, the trials, the tribulations. You talk about your injuries. Now let's talk about where you are now and how you're going to take the injuries that you had at South Carolina and the – Things you learned all the way as a Red Raider to a Gamecock to here you are now as a Land Shark, man. Uh, how much are you excited about being able to pour into these young athletes from the varsity to the junior varsity or some of the younger kids that may be eyeballing the program? Oh, man, I'm, I take it all in because I feel like and I always say this, God put me through those things in order to give it back to these kids that I'm coaching now. And um, I, 
I finally, like like I said, I finally found my purpose. I found my passion, and it's, it's the kids. And um, just seeing them get from point A to point B, you know, just really building that relationship with these kids outside of football, like just being a man in life. So as I tell them, like, man, you can go from being a four-star to being a bag boy at the grocery store. That's just real. Like, it's not the game is not it's not promised to you. Um, and that's just one of the things I really appreciate. I thought I was going to make it to the NFL. I thought my life would be football, 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 and, and it still is. I'm just not playing. But I feel like I use those journeys and those those things I went through along the way, those bumps in the road, to give it to these kids now, guys who want to go off and, and play at their level. I give them, I give them the, the, like, real-life experience of somebody who actually went through all those things there. And I just kind of give it to them as real as I can and, and hope that they soak it in. Now, of course, you're over there on the defensive side of things, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, uh, there's another Gamecock. Uh, there's a couple of Gamecock. One's on the offensive line as a coach, and uh, Coach Rivens, and, of course, uh, Coach O. Now, Coach O, both you and Coach O and Coach Rivens seem like you guys still got some football left in you. But uh, to have a guy like Coach O over there with you, man, who, you know, played in South Carolina back in the 90s and, of course, uh, has done big things. But it seems like he's taking you under his wing and, and kind of giving you that opportunity to learn some of the coaching things because he was down in Florida. H- how important is it and how excited are you to, to be around such? And I said this the other night to you guys, man. You guys are a, a five-star program with five-star coaches. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing with coaches, I, I'll rewind. So, like, uh, when Coach got here, I mean, he just kind of – his demeanor just kind of gave me – of like what I get from my dad and my uncle, and and I like people ask me how I coach defense, but literally like my offers kind of went fifty fifty. Some were tight end, some were uh, linebacker. And a lot of people don't know that I chose to play tight end. So like I, I've had that background. My dad and my uncle are both huge defensive guys. And they don't really do the offensive thing too much. So they're huge defensive guys. And then getting here with Coach O just kind of like put me back in that atmosphere without being with my dad and my uncle. And, I mean, he's just kind of been – he's been pushing me a lot along the way. He's really helped me grow as a coach. And, like I said, I'm very appreciative of him and, and a lot of other coaches on our staff. But for him, for sure, because, I mean, just along this whole this whole COVID, just having a COVID season, things were a little more short, couldn't do much stuff in, in our person. So, I mean, he called me. We, we talked. It'd be 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, man. We're talking on the phone. We're talking about defense. How can we put our defense in the best position to win? How can we put our guys in the best position? to perform, and, uh, I mean, he just definitely took me anyway. He works hardest. He works really, really hard, and, I mean, that's just – you can, as you can see on Friday, he works hard and his passion is very deep for the game. Putting it together here tonight is uh, Coach Casey Crosby. How about that? Another Crosby in the making here in the Crosby way of life here on Southern Sports Central. We've had his uncle, his father, now here he comes on. I guess, Eugene, next is to get Mom in here because, again, uh, who knows him better than anybody is Mama, man. How excited was Mama when she saw you? You know what? I'm going to coach. I'm going to follow my father's footsteps, my family tradition, if you will, there as my uncles have done this. Uh, how excited was Mama Crosby when uh, you told her that you were going to start this career called coaching? Uh, man, Mom, my mom's super excited. She's One thing about my mom, she's been very supportive of me through just about anything. Like I said, I've been through many injuries that, that I wanted to go back to Bamberg. You know, after I broke my leg in 2017, Kind of just wanted to call it quits with football, but you know she's always been that strong support system there for me. And um, man, she she was super excited to see that I'm back happy and around a sport that she knows that I love very very deeply. Now, of course, uh, let's talk about Coach Joe Call. He's the one who gave you the call, right? He uh, gave you the opportunity yeah. to put you on the side. Uh, the coach there, uh, 
man, what a great guy. I've had a chance to be around him for a long time over at Somerville, and, uh, you know, the, the reunion's going to be pretty bittersweet for me. But for you, man, watching yeah. the, the relationship between you and him is very special for many reasons. I know his grandfather had a lot of uh, – a lot of love for your dad watching, you know, two legends in the making there between those two guys to have you two guys together, man. It, it's kind of a uh, story uh, telling to get a Crosby and, and of course uh, coach call, who's the grandson of coach McKissick working together uh, on a Friday night. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like him looking at a younger me, him looking at a younger him, just with him coming up, how he came up in the coaching, his background. And it's just, Coach Carl, he, he's really the, and the thing I like about Coach Carl. He he teaches me how to handle me with me being so young. Coach Carl teaches me how to handle situation with more poise. He's a very poised guy. He he doesn't get very flustered. He, you're not gonna see you're not gonna see that on his face. You know, and he might have a million things going on, but you won't see that on his face. And he's kind of taught me that as we as I've been going along coaching. He just tells me like we talk all the time. He just gives me those wise moments, those wise. You know, those wise little, those little wise little sayings I need as I go along. You know, just being a young coach and coming up into the coaching, it's, just, it is a great guy to have as my head coach. No doubt. And the final thing before we do talk to football with you here for the final nine minutes or so, man, you got some other big things happening, man. Life is happening for, uh, for a guy like you, man. You're now the high school coach. You're the head JV coach. Uh, and, and you got family things going on, man. So, first of all, congratulations yeah, on all that yeah. good stuff, man. But, Man, what what's happening there in the Crosby house, my friend? Oh man, I got well. Of course, it, it'll be a new addition here come early May, May fifth. Uh, I'll be bringing a baby boy into the world, uh, me and my fiance. So I mean, hey, twenty 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 one is uh, it's, it's going to be a great year for us. Now I got to ask you. I know mom's excited about this little one coming, but man, you got another boy. We got another Crosby in the making coming in here, May fifth. Cinco de Mayo, by the way. I don't know if you guys put that together, but how excited is yeah. your uncle and your father, who I got a chance to hang out with back man. in January? They're super excited, man. You know, they're already they're ready for him to get here. They already, you know, everybody already got their thing. What they're gonna call him? What he's gonna do? So I'm saying, man, everybody's everybody's super excited. <laughs> So are they trying to get him back to Bamberg and say you can just come visit him on the weekends? I mean, I mean how's that going to work out? <laughs> I told him, I told him, I'm in the profession now. Man. By the time he grew up, they'll, be, they'll, be, they'll have to travel to come watch him play. It'll be their time to sit down and come <laughs> Boy, God, it's good. I love it, man. This is why I do what I do on the course any night that the light's on, and you guys are in here with us. We're live with Casey Crosby. He's uh, one of the many coaches doing great things in our state of South Carolina. He's the head JV coach over at Oceanside, and he's also one of the defensive coaches on a Friday night. Of course, expecting the little man to come arriving around Cinco de Mayo. That's May 5th, of course. Uh, uh, when, when you started to put that together, now let's talk about some of your guys that you're going to be coaching here, and, and your guys are getting together as we speak to uh, get ready for the spring. But I got to tell you something, Casey, man, and you grew up in this state. You've seen a lot of athletes get after it, man, but I have – been extremely impressed. And I told Coach Call this, and I know a lot of you guys uh, through many ways in history there in the past, but this is a group of guys who work hard without being told to get after it. Man, they get up in the morning early. They stay out there late. They're always uh, working to get better. I mean, this is something that, quite frankly, some coaches have to ask for that you guys are getting uh, just out of nature. Man, it's, it's, it's actually a blessing, you know, 
I'll start with our two guys that started in there for us last year. They're returning to be seniors this year. Um, Rhett Powell and um, Carson Arnold, those those two guys, man. I've watched them since we stepped back into the office in January. I've watched them literally take their game to the next level. I watched them take their work ethic to the next level. And it's just it's kind of like watching it night and day from last year, you know. Now they kind of understand what's at stake. And we also and then they're bringing a lot of young guys along. Like we'll have Jace Krabchick back there. We'll have uh, Daenerys Washington, a couple of a couple of other young guys coming along that they'll bring along with them and um, just kind of grooming them like every day, man. They're texting me. We're work we're getting it extra in every day. They they always want that extra, extra, extra. And that's something that that you as, as a coach that's 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 a good problem to have. And uh, I'm just I'm just blessed to have that problem with these guys that I coach. Even the JV guys, man, just since the other day, a lot of those guys have texted me like, hey, coach, I'm ready to get after it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get out with you. I, I can't wait till they release us in June or whenever that date is that those guys can come with us. It's, it's, it's a good problem to have, man. I'm super excited. Hanging out with, of course, uh, the one and only. That is Coach Casey Crosby here tonight on Southern Sports Central. Of course, uh, played his high school days in Bamberg, went off to college and played for a couple of Legendary coaches up there at the University of South Carolina, a four-star coach, uh, of course, a player, and a five-star coach here on Southern Sports Central. Now, Coach, when you start to kind of put all that in perspective, are you looking forward to those late late Friday? I guess for you it would be a late Friday night period because you're going to be looking at the film from what you guys just played Fridays. You're looking back at what you guys did on Thursdays. I mean, I guess, you know, sleeping right now is the best option you got going forward. Man, it's crazy. You would think that, but, like, right now, like, since since probably since about ooh, beginning of March, my mind has literally been on football because when you're in college right now, you're in spring ball. So like my mind's not mm-hmm. out of that. I'm not out of that schedule yet. So like I'm I'm gonna be ready for football from March to December. <laughs> so that's that's a good thing. And like like you said, I, I have more film to watch now. I have Thursday film and Friday film, which will be good because because you got to teach kids differently. Everybody learns different. So the way I talk to those young kids would be different than I talk to my two senior linebackers. So that's the good thing about being able to have, like, all this film coming along to watch and uh, all this football we're going to be playing in the fall. For a young coach that's coming out right now out of college, and uh, this is it for them, of course, they either, you know, uh, are playing right now, right, because of the season that's kind of uh, COVID's kind of allowed like, to spend all the Charleston Southerns, or it's like the Gamecocks who have already finished, and they're looking to get in – to coaching, man. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what what advice would you give them? And, and talk to me about that 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 actual first time of getting out there in the transition from a college football player to now a high school or just a coach in general. Um, well, yeah, I'll start with the play. So, being going from being a college player to a high school coach, you have to be able to adjust. A lot of guys, a lot of guys don't become good coaches in high school from coming from college because they can't bring their level of teaching or their level of learning down to give it to those kids who haven't played as much football as you have in your career. And that's one of the things I find like that's that's one thing that Coach Offer really really helps me with. Like when I first got here, I, I was so still at SEC Power Five. You know, I'm still at South Carolina in my mind. So when I'm presenting to these kids, they're kind of looking at me like, Coach, like, what do you say? Not knowing that they haven't played as much football as, as I have in the, in the last couple of years. And now that I'm able to prog- teach them in progression, that that's what really is. I think that's what makes coaching so fun, and that's what makes it. That's what makes people passion so deep is watching the kid go from a 
point A to point B and just watching him take that transition. And then after that, he just keeps coming back and back and back for more because you, you, you've taught him something that he hasn't been taught before. I think that's the best part about high school. When you get to college, you know, everything's thrown at you. These guys are expecting you to know this stuff. You're an elite college athlete now. But in high school, you get to break it all the way down. You get to teach them from ground zero. Well, I tell you one thing, you've done a great job tonight, man. You've got quite quite the resume, and it continues to get bigger and better. And, again, congratulations on the new edition coming your way May 5th on uh, the engagement there. You've got a lot of great things happening. God is he's working you, man. He's blessing you because you're doing it yeah. the right way, Casey. Yeah. And I just appreciate you not giving up, brother, because there's so many guys that have gone through the things you've gone through with your injuries, and they've just walked away, and they've just – not given everything that God gave them to give back to. And you continue to do that, man. And just, you know, I watch you walk in the room, man. The whole room lights up, brother. And just the little things like that have such a huge impact. And I just can't wait to watch each time this chapter continues to get bigger and bigger. It's only going to get better, man. And I appreciate your time tonight. Oh, yeah. Thank you all for having me, man. I really enjoy it. Uh, You got it, buddy. Uh, Congratulations again. We'll see you around the corner. And, again, appreciate your time tonight. Yes, sir. Take care. All right, guys. There you go. Casey Crosby, former University of South Carolina Gamecock. Also, of course, uh, former Red Raider. That's right. Red Raider is he got to play over there with a a very impressive resume at Bamberg. He's a four-star, had 30 offers, decided to stay home. Stay home in the University of South Carolina. Take that trip up by 26. Played for the legendary Steve Spurrier. Played for a big name, of course, Will Muschamp. And uh, now he's coaching at the uh, Oceanside uh, campus. As uh, Coach Joe Call has named him the head JV coach. And uh, he also coaches uh, on the defense with Coach O, another former Gamecock over there. So a great staff continues uh, to just – you watch uh, Eugene, these coaches, man, and uh, we'll talk about that here uh, towards the end of the show because we got to go to break because coming up next, Yep, we're keeping that game talk state of mind as it is Jacob August, the part of the receivers elite, who he's training these receivers around the great state to be a little bit better today than yesterday. With that, guys, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Jacob and much more, guys. a bit of a break from the norm just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control it's cool to dance but what about a groove that soothes the move romance give me a soft subtle mix and if it ain't broke then don't try to fix it and think of the summers of the past adjust the bass and let the alpine blast pop in my cd and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime Now, back to Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Sheldon alongside Eugene Benton. And now, without further ado, let's bring in the big man, Jacob August. Of course, he is the one and only representing something he's put together in style as the Receivers Elite Program. Jacob, welcome to Southern Sports Central, big man. Hey, how we doing, guys? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. A little ACDC to bring you in here, man. Get that energy going here as you're the uh, – the grand finale, man. Great night tonight, man. You got a lot of guys here that you may know the names. I know you know, of course, uh, Bailey Hart, Casey Crosby, and yep. here you are, Mr. August, uh, wrapping up the Gamecock show, basically, here on Southern Sports Central. Yeah, man. Me and Bailey go way back, and uh, and me and Casey played a long time together, so it was really good hearing them speak. And, you know, Casey and Bailey, they both have a similar paths as me getting into college – or, I'm sorry, high school coaching, and it's uh, we always keep in touch because – you know, three three football minds is better than one. Amen to that. We're very blessed to have you guys in here. Man, I got a chance to meet you for the first time uh, about a month ago. We talked about this, and I That's said, right. man, let me tell you something, man. What you're doing is what we're all about, and I knew that this day was going to come, and I'm just glad that God worked it together. Now, are you still in Columbia uh, up there working out and uh, traveling around working with these young athletes? Yeah, I'm up in Columbia. I'm uh, I'm doing receivers elite over here and right off of Rosewood, and I'm also coaching at Great Collegiate Academy. Uh, I coach linebackers and I help with uh, kicking and punting as well. So, you know, I got my hands full up here, and it's just been a blast. Yeah, look at this. We've got coaches all over the board here. Great Collegiate on the board. <laughs> also, of course, he runs his own program with the receivers elite. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Great Collegiate as well. And uh, kind of interesting there. Here we have Casey Crosby from Oceanside. You're from Great Collegiate. Of course, uh, we know Bailey's hanging out at First Baptist, man. So good conversations all the way around the board. Now, let's talk about who is Jacob August. Of course, uh, tonight you're with us. But what landed you, you know, all the way through getting uh, your your own brand, Receivers Elite, up and running? Of course, you went to high school. You went to college. Kind of give us the background in your bio. Yeah, so – it all comes back to when I was growing up and um, trying to figure out the game of football and trying to understand it better throughout the high school uh, ranks. Um, I was a receiver. Uh, I was really under undersized in in a way I was, although I was six, three, six, four, I was only like 185 pounds, 190 pounds. And, you know, me, me personally, I I had a major desire to learn the game of football and going through that process and not being able to find a lot of people you know, it, it was it was kind of confusing, a little bit of frustrating because you just have that, you know, that hunger and that curiosity as a kid. Um, so what I decided to do was I, I, just, I tried to be um, a punter. So I kicked and punted at Carl Newman as well, and um, I ended up becoming an okay kicker because I had a background in soccer and, and a better punter. Uh, I was top 50 in the country uh, as a punter in my class, and, um, you know, I was really happy about that. Um, what happened though was, is I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, right now you're, you're six, three pushing six, four. And, you know, I feel like you'd be a waste of body if, if you were just a punter. So I, uh, I went to Fork Union. I reclassified as a post-grad up in Virginia military Institute. And, um, I got an opportunity, opportunity to reclassify and, um, and, you know, give tight end and, and receiver another shot. So, um, what what that what that opportunity provided me with was I got to play with a lot of kids. I got to play with uh, the number one safety in our class, the number one running back, the number three offensive tackle, and it was just a, it was just a plethora of talent that I got to learn from and realize okay this is this is this is a different game. This is a grown man's game. Um, I ended up getting you know a good amount of offers, uh, a lot of D1 AA, 
um, Southern Miss, Temple. You know, I was happy about those. And then Sperger called me right before, so right before my sign. He gave me a call. He said, ah, Dan, you know, I've seen, seen a lot of good film on you. We'd love to have you down here. And, you know, me being a Columbia guy, I was just punked. I, uh, I immediately committed. <laughs> Uh, it was a it was a preferred walk on position, but I didn't care. I just wanted to be home. I wanted to be around the Gamecocks. So uh, I redshirted. Um, again, get, gave me another year to grow into my body, to understand the game, to understand the speed, and um, you know I, I had five five good years. Uh, I, I played I played a good amount. Um, I was really happy with my career. You know I definitely had some things I wish I wish I could have done better. But you know I, every single athlete retires. At some point, so my due to injury, my mine mine came pretty early, um, and then I kind of sat there. I worked a couple of software jobs, uh, and then I went down to Miami with David Feely. So David Feely was uh, he was the assistant strength coach at USC, uh, Dillman's first year, and everyone loved him. We had a great staff there. Uh, Feely just had this way about him that kind of gravitated towards people, and he really cared about it. So. When he went down to Miami to take that strength job, I went down there as well, and I was an intern for him for the strength and conditioning program. And again, that gave me some insight on, you know, pulling back the curtains. You know, I was I was part of, I was a player my whole life, and it gave me an opportunity to step back and kind of view things from a different perspective. And uh, I got to see, you know, how to coach kids the way David Feely and Chase Dodd and and all those guys, Barbara Vick and um, those guys. They, they they really knew how to connect with the kids, and I and, and I really appreciated that. So. After that internship, I got home and I, you know, I thought, you know, I, I still want to be involved with football. So, uh, Corona hit and um, Perry Orth was one of my best friends. Um, we played college together as well. Uh, he was doing, he's been doing QB1 training for the last four years. Uh, I, I decided to come up to Columbia and just kind of check it out, and I was hooked, man. He had, he had probably three or four quarterbacks, and there was two receivers out there. One of them being Eric Rice. I'm sure you guys are aware of Eric now. He's a uh, He's, uh, he's going to USC to play receiver, and and, oh, yeah. and Claude Madison, those two guys, they they really they really helped me understand my love and passion for coaching football, and it really gave me a direction on what I needed to do and what I wanted to do, which was develop these kids and try to give them some resources that I didn't have coming up in Columbia. Um, you know, they, they they both really took it on well, and um, it started to grow a little bit more. Florida kids started coming and. Next thing you know, I was training like six or seven of the four guys. So, um, again, seeing those developments through those kids and seeing seeing the process and seeing them not understand something but not not give up and, you know, refuse failure and learn and then seeing that, that reaction on the face really made it worth it. And, you know, uh, Perry Orth gave me a really good um, – he, really, he gave me a really good platform to – kind of feed off of his quarterback camp and, and do uh, receivers elite. And, you know, it, it kind of hit off running and we're doing really well now. And uh, Perry's got a machine up there. I'm, I'm building mine as well. And we're just trying to, you know, train as many kids as we can and learn from the lessons that we had, you know, these previous years. No doubt. And we're excited to have Jacob August with us here. He is the founder of Receivers Elite. You, you listen to the story of these athletes who are now coaches in the industry, and you hear the testimony. I like to call it a testimony more than a story, <laughs> as of course. Uh, man, I think that's neat, uh, Jacob. When I had the chance to meet you for the first time, but like I said, about a month ago, at First Baptist, and, man, it was an automatic mm-hmm. connection, man. It was automatic. I said, man, first of all, man, what an honor. Appreciate you, man. Uh, you know, I didn't do you any justice. <laughs> 
I didn't do you any justice with my camera work. Like, I'm not a camera guy. I'm a radio guy. And that's, yeah, and that's a great way to break the ice. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was a fun day for sure. Now, of course, uh, I, I love the story of Fort, you know, uh, uh, Fork Union, and I love it even more. Every time, you know, if I get Perry in here and, and they get Steven in here and they start talking, of course, the old ball coach, they always go into character. You did the same thing, man. How many times do you remember back around in the locker room, man, that I'm sure each one of you guys, not only you three, but everybody on that roster had a pretty decent impression of Coach uh, Spurrier. Yeah, they definitely. Every guy definitely had their own rendition of it, but um, by far and away, Perry Orth had the had the most consistent one. Uh, he, obviously, he was one of the guys I was around in the most. But uh, I mean, it's spot on. It's it's to this day when I hear Perry talking I, uh, for a second, I, I I think that Perry puts on a white visor and gets uh, and I see Spray right in front of me. <laughs> it's almost like the guy that sits there and, and, and does a pretty good job in Nick Saban on social media. That guy's pretty yeah, he's pretty good. Guy. Maybe yeah, uh maybe maybe Perry's got a future, just doesn't know it yet, man. So, you know, for you <laughs> to get a call from Steve Spurrier, man, that's that look, I was one of the most ecstatic guys, very similar to when they just hired the coach up there in Columbia right now, who I think is gonna do an incredible job. I think our coaching staff from all the colleges, not just South Carolina and Clemson, but I mean Look at Coastal. Look at Charleston Southern. Look at, of course, the yeah. Citadel. I mean, we really have great college coaches, and now you see you at Great Collegiate, man. We're continuing to build great high school coaches, man. I mean, did you see yourself coaching back in the day? Uh, you know, I, I always I always had an open mind about everything. Um, I, I come from a business family background. Uh, I got three older sisters. Uh, my dad's a businessman, and, you know, I, I, I thought I had a niche in that, and, you know, working for the software companies, I felt like there was opportunity there, and I was going to be uh, primarily a, uh, a businessman, but then, you know, coach on the side. I really started to realize it again when I was in Miami and when I started at Correct Collegiate and Coach Holmes, uh, Adam Holmes and Howie Bear, they gave me a, an amazing opportunity to work with. You guys know Corey Holmes as well. He's a great with me too. Sure. And so it, that kind of grew the foundation, and then it kind of hit it off running. I realized that I, this was what I was, uh, what I'm supposed to do, and you know, it's my calling, and you know, I'm gonna give it the best shot I have. And doing it in salads, he's hanging out at Great Collegiate. Of course, uh, you know, you, you see great things happen in, uh, in in your life, man. And what you did. And, again, when I caught up with you guys, and it was, uh, of course, Perry, you, and uh, Bailey Hart, I believe, uh, a few other guys were doing things in some other places, man. But, you know, when mm-hmm. you see the smile on these kids' faces, man, is it not just it, – it, it's it's a whole different thing when it comes down to watching these kids score touchdowns or watching them learn how to run a route. Let's be honest. A lot of these kids don't even know how to get that until – somebody like yourself shows them the correct way of actually running the route that's actually put in form in front of them. Right. Yeah. And, and it makes it all worth it seeing those faces and seeing those reactions. Like I was saying, not only are they, are they getting better at the game of football, but they're understanding adversity and they're understanding how to get over it. And, you know, it's, it, yeah, we're, we are coaching them and we are, we're helping them get better at a, at a sport, but, there's so many lessons that are that are intertwined with each with each day, and you know having them you know learn from those and you know grow as a, as a kid, grow as a human into a man. It, it really does, it really does. But when it puts a smile on their face, it puts a smile on my face. So it makes it all worth it. 
hanging out right now with one of the best in the business. Of course, his testimony and story will motivate you, and watching what he does with these uh, young athletes will move you. As, of course, uh, it's the one and only Jacob August, part of, uh, and he's the founder of, of course, Receivers Elite as he continues to build up these receivers. Now, you've seen quarterbacks, you've seen other DBs, but for you to come in here and put together a receiver only one-on-one, man, this is something that I think has been a calling for quite some time because, again, DBs, they've always got a DB coach working somewhere. They've always got a quarterback coach yeah. working somewhere. But for you to come in and say, look, if you're going to bring a receiver in, let me coach him while these other guys are getting to work in as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, that that's a big reason why I looked into doing what I do and why I did create Receivers Elite was the first thing I looked at was the barrier to entry. And, you know, I saw the competition. I, I don't want to call it competition because, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, the training industry as a whole, yeah, good competitive battles between you and another trainer. It's healthy for the, for the industry, but the entire industry, you want Coach A, you want Coach B, Coach Barnes at Dutch Fork, Barnes at Dutch Fork, he was a receiver. I, I, I watch a lot of the stuff that he does because I'm, I'm motivated by what he does. He does such a good job with those guys up in Dutch Fork. He's got the Antonio Williams. He's got um, – Nick Sal, he does such a good job there, and I'm rooting for him, and I want him to get as many guys as he can and train because he does such a good job with the guys he has. But that goes back to, to the competitiveness. You, you want that healthy competitiveness, but you also want the entire industry to grow as well because once, instead of fighting for two kids, which, a lot, which I've seen in the past a lot of guys do, they'll fight for a certain kid, why not say, okay, you take him, and I'm going to make a better training camp to make him want to come back. I don't want to force him to come. I want to, I want to prove that my product and my service is, is better than yours. So, again, you're growing it because you guys are fighting for a better service. And in turn, now you have that healthy competitive, that healthy advantage or that healthy competitiveness with a kid. Now what it actually does is it makes both your training camps better. And now you're having three kids go here to, to trainer A, three kids of trainer B, five kids of trainer A, four kids of trainer B. And then, again, the, the numbers are growing. You know, they're both growing at the same time, and now you're not just dealing with, you know, stupid petty wars. And so um, that's the good thing about receivers is there, there's Coach Barnes and there's other guys out there, and a lot of them do, you know, footwork drills, and they do, you know, overall foot speed, and, you know, they do the ladders that, that you know, everyone infamously talks about. But – you know, understanding the game of football, understanding the the routes, understanding how to, you know, eliminate steps so that you can have a more efficient route are, are very important things as well as, you know, hand-eye coordination. So uh, it's exciting. I, I love doing it. I love seeing the guys, you know, like we talked about, get better. And uh, I'm excited to, you know, train as many kids as possible. Here we are with Jacob August. He is homegrown, not only homegrown, but he's a former Gamecock at the University of South Carolina. We played for the old ball coach. He, of course, uh, can watch him on the sidelines over there. Great collegiate. He is the founder, the big man behind the mission of receivers elite. And tonight he's home right here at Southern Sports Central. Can't wait to continue this relationship and building it with you, uh, Jacob, going forward. Now, you know, let me ask you this. Uh, COVID brought a lot of things that were a lot of heavy hearts, but guys like you and, and like you mentioned, QB1 and even some of the other coaches around the state of South Carolina use this as an opportunity to get these kids off the couch and out of that uncomfortable area and into a facility or maybe down on a football field. You know, talk to me about that transition, how you were able to take a situation like COVID and really turn it into a positive, thanks to you and all, of course, uh, your group of guys over there at Receiver Elite. 
Right, yeah. Well, what happened was I ended up starting this last April, end of April, early May. So the the seed was planted in the middle of COVID. That was like that was like the peak COVID in terms of people being inside and doors, you know, staying staying away from each other because we just didn't know what Corona was. So it was really hesitant. Everyone was just kind of reluctant to bring their kids out. But you know, after summer started, they kind of realized that um, you know you can't sit in your room, you can't sit in the house for multiple months at a time and not go crazy. So um, we started to get more kids through out there and um, they started trickling in one by one. And, you know, by the end of the summer, we were, we were going eight or nine deep through each training session. So um, I, I had to create my service in the, in the, in the midst of a peak of a, of a pandemic. So I really didn't have a choice. You know, I, I had to roll with the punches. I had to see what, um, I had to see what the how the world was reacting to coronavirus, how it was reacting to COVID, and and so uh, I kind of just had to go day by day and just kind of you know s- figure out what the problem was so I could solve it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, no doubt. Let's uh, let me ask you this here before I get you out of here. I want to ask about a couple of drills that you do. I know Eugene and, and of course uh, he and I talk about this all the time because we we get a chance to see you guys work out. We see other guys. So many different drills. There's the ladder drill. There's the hand motions. You know, you see so many guys doing so many things. But to you, what is the number one and two drills? And, and, and what is the benefit, of course, in the ladder drill and certain drills that you see uh, that you guys are doing day in and day out? Okay, so the two drills that I feel are that, – that I feel translate the best to, 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 to each individual athlete is, one – it's called a box drill. What I like to teach is eliminating steps to the top of your route. So if you think about it, if you want to go right, you want to push off your left foot. If you want to go left, you push off your right foot. So it's, it's really like, it's really lateral movement. And if you can, if you can, if you can manipulate each step and have a purpose for every single step on that top step, when you break off, you want to create as much, you want to gain as much ground as possible. So, Doing that, if, if you could picture it with me, let's say you're, 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 on your left, you're on your left leg and you just push off almost like a skier and get as far right as you can. If you have a big step and you have an explosive step, you'll gain about a foot. Now, if you have bad technique and you don't understand technique, and, and, and having bad technique doesn't mean you, you don't have the ability to have good technique. It's just, it's just a failure of exposure. You just got to be exposed to it. You got to be exposed to the lesson, just like a math class or a science class. If if you have sound technique, I'm sorry, if you have bad technique, then you might step underneath yourself. So instead of your first step being under outside about a, a yard to your right, you have it underneath yourself. That's about like realistically, that's probably about 10 to 14 inches. Okay, that's 10 to 14 inches that you lose at the top of your route, and then it's 10 to 14 inches you lose when the ball is about to hit your hands. 10 to 14 inches in the game of football is a lot. If if you're if you're 14 inches away and you're a DB and you're trying to get to the ball, 14 inches away means the receiver catches it. Six inches away means you might tip it. Tip it. Zero inches where you where poorly so you step underneath yourself. If there's zero inches away, then that's an interception and now you're you're hurting your team. So I, I have this box drill that I help and I and I get these kids to understand that concept where they want to be pushing off that outside foot so that they can change ground and they can't or they they can change directions and they can't have acceleration out of their cut because that's what they get. That's the distance they get at the end of their route when the ball's in the air, when the ball's in their hands. 
Okay. So those are, those are small things. I mean, football is such a timing game. It's, it's all about milliseconds at the end of the day. Um, it, I mean, really, if you look at it micro, if you look at it macro, it, it, there's a lot going on. But micro, talk, it's not micro speaking, it's, it's a game of inches. Another drill, and the other one that I, I, I hone in on and I really emphasize is hand-eye coordination. Okay? I tell these kids, I say, you can run routes like OBJ. You can run routes like Stephon Diggs. You can run routes like – you can have releases like Devontae Adams. But if you don't catch the ball, it's not going to matter. Right? You could be wide open, but if you, if you drop the ball 40% of the time, the quarterback is naturally going to start looking away from you. He wants to throw to he – wants, he wants completion, so he subconsciously wants to throw – to the people who catch the ball. So when he's in panic and he doesn't trust you, he's going to throw it to someone else. If he's in panic and he trusts you because you're, you have sure hands, then he's going to throw it to you more often uh, without even really thinking about it. So I have these lacrosse balls, and I take two lacrosse balls. They're white. And then I take a Sharpie, and I draw letters all over each ball. And so when I toss it to him, I toss one. I toss two. It's, it's called toss two, catch two. So I toss one to his right hand, and he he catches the ball and he tells me what's on the letter or he tells me the letter that's on the ball. Then I toss it to his left and he tells me the letter. What that does is that is, that is creating a pathway from your brain to your hands and, and, and your thought process. And now you're looking the ball all the way into your hands. I, I, I like to, I like to think that, um, that I have really natural hands and, um, but I, but I, I was, I, I, I had drops too, just like everyone else, everyone in their life has had drops. It wasn't because of my inability to catch. It's like when, a, when you drop a ball and a coach yells at you, like, man, catch the ball. It's like, no, nah, coach, he's not going out there to drop the ball. He's trying to catch the ball, right? You have to teach him how to catch the ball. So you have to develop those, those instincts where they are looking the ball all the way in. So you start with a lacrosse ball, and then you move to a football. Every football has characteristics. They have leather. They have white stripes. They have, they have laces. They have some of that black stripping. Some say Wilson. Some say Nike. Some have their school logo. So when they catch the ball, they tell you what you see. And, again, that's just creating the pathway in your brain to help you see the ball and to be more consistent with your hands. Because catching a ball, if I threw 100 people a ball who they've never even touched a football before and I threw a team soft enough, 95 of them would catch it. But then once you put them on a football field, they, they're thinking about so many other things. You just, my job is to try to get them to hone in on once the ball's in the air, the ball's the only thing that matters. And by making the ball the only thing that matters, you look at the ball and you say what you see. So you say it out loud during warm-ups, and then over time, instinct takes over, and now it's just second nature. So those two drills, the box drill and eliminating steps to the top of your route and uh, hand-eye coordination are, are the two biggest things that I, that I really uh, preach about. But in terms of the ladder drill, um, you see them all over Instagram. You see them, football play, really any sport. One good thing about the ladder drill is it helps with foot speed, overall foot speed. But to look at someone who has who's quick on the ladder and to say that directly translates to sports is, is unrealistic. It's, it's not necessarily uh, – it, it doesn't, like, completely translate to the game. Yeah, like, if you're, doing a, if you're doing a curl, your goal is to hit three steps, turn around, and go, yeah, you want to get there as fast as you can. And you want that ability to move your feet fast enough so you can get those three steps. But – what the foot drill, what the ladder does is it, is it, has, it helps you put 100 steps in a five-yard period. And, again, you want to be gaining ground in the game of football while under control. You don't want to be wasting steps because, again, that wastes time and that slows you down so you lose speed and in in, in athleticism. So uh, it, it's good for, like, a, like you, 
it's good to like warm up with basically is what I'm saying, but it's, it's, it's very unrealistic to look at someone who's, who does a ladder drill quickly on, on Instagram and say, Oh, he's a good football player. No, let's see how we translate it to the game of football. Gotcha. Jacob, what I want to do is I want to bring you back. We've got about two minutes, unfortunately, uh, you know, because I want to get to know you as much as everything, and then let's get into some of these drills. But I'm going to get with Eugene, and we're going to get with you. And, uh, of course, uh, I'll reach out to you individually as well. But I want to get you back. Uh, I want to thank you for tonight. There's so much to uncover, brother. You just scratched the surface of this onion that we're going to peel back. And uh, we may do this on a weekly basis. I got an idea. I want to call you individually and ask you if you're interested, but I got something on the Great. mind as you guys uh, all join me tonight. Great. Yeah, I'd love to help. Thanks for having me on, guys. I really right, appreciate please. it. I had a blast. Hey, man, it's the first of many, Jacob, man. God bless you. Take care. Congratulations on your success with Receiver Elite, and you and I will be talking here in just a few minutes. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you, guys. All right, so we've got a – five-star show now wrapped up with about two minutes to go. I want to thank Jacob August, who did an incredible job. There's so much that these guys know that they can bring to the show, and I just cannot wait to continue to get him back in here. Bailey Hart, we've had Stephen Garcia, Perry York. You heard from Casey Crosby. By the way, these guys are all coaching high school that played in college and uh, continue to just shower us with the knowledge of things that they've gone through, the trials and the tribulations. They've made the mistakes and they've done the things that have gotten them to where they are in the success area as well. So let us bring them to you. Let us educate you through the things that they will continue to do. And again, I thank God for crossing our path uh, with Jacob and, of course, uh, Bailey just about a month ago. I do also want to thank Coach Mitchell. We're in the house tonight. We were, of course, on Spring Valley's campus with the Elite 11 quarterback, D.Q. Smith, who sits on an offer from Michigan, the Gamecocks, and uh, continues to get a lot of recognition and doing it the right way. Casey, again, uh, getting his thing going as he is now going to be the new JV coach over there at Oceanside and has a little man coming his way May the 5th. And like I mentioned, again, uh, Eugene, 10 seconds, but great job here tonight putting together a great show, my friend. Yeah, and uh, just to recap real quick, it's uh, in about the sixth inning. It's a nail biter there between James Allen and Hilton Head. James Allen is up three to two, so that's an interesting ball game we're uh, tracking here uh, on the Twitter world. But uh, it's been a great show, Richie. Great athletes, great coaches all around, and a great quarterback. Looking forward to the next show uh, on Thursday night. There you go, guys. From me to you to Eugene, I'm Rich Yellman. That's Eugene Benton. Follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central. Hit us up on the gram. That's Southern Sports Central. And we're tweeting away at SO Sports Central. Until next time, stay safe. God bless. Tomorrow night, Everett Sands. He's doing his thing right here on the West Palm Basin Sports Show at 6 o'clock. Right here and only here on Southern Sports Central, guys. God bless. Have a great night. Feel like I'm gonna puke Cause my taxes are due Do my pa-